Welcome to episode 66 of Zap to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined, as always, by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, then this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our second batch of games from issue 30 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were soured by Swamp Fever, kicked in the morphicles by the transforming car, and dumbened by Death Star. This week, we conclude our look at the games in October 1987, along with what was lighting up our TV and cinema screens that month. So Graham, tell us exactly what we have going on in this episode. In this budget DIY and cheap goods warehouse with low-priced plastic dog beds, dubious looking red duvets, three quid electric screwdriver and radio combos, and bottles of something labelled Garden Elixir that also contains a warning that it kills all known fish of an episode. We scoot around the Starfield universe on a hunt for rogue planets in the dazzling audiovisual eye-melting mega-apocalypse, hop aboard another space fighter, this time blasting through a series of odd challenges in the simple but dull laser force, and then fly awkwardly in eight jerky directions, praying that we finally die so we can stop seeing the intro sequence in the repetitive last mission. We also breeze through the pointlessly easy opening level of another multi-part compendium of confusion in the tube, experience life in servitude at the bequest of the Queen and her eggs in the stodgy and boring flunky, and then bounce around like ping-pong balls in a bingo machine in the utterly uncontrollable Toad Force. If you've suddenly realised that your garden needs a birdbath water feature solar light, as well as your hoover needing some anti-dog deodorant pellets, we also break out our small change and play some real old-school games in the pre-retro but now just retro arcade classics. Shuffle and waddle around the dull mazes of shite in the dreadful Jackal and Wide, and scour the buildings and windows of New York looking for reasons to use our Tommy gun in the samey Prohibition. We also grab our cutlasses and eye patches once again and head out on the stormy seas aboard the good ship Aldi Clone in Pirates of the Barbary Coast, wander the ghost and goblins-inspired multi-level platforms looking for a purpose in the Enforcer, before finally pushing past the blocky, badly-drawn graphics and awkward gameplay, looking to see if there is still meat in the claws in the ugly but playable Black Magic. It's been challenging with some of these games, to say the least, like turning up to your friend's barbecue and them offering you corn burgers. Just smile and wave. Cool. Um, if I sound out of sorts, if I sound like I'm leaning one way, by the way, I'm completely blocked up in one ear. Um, just so. <laughs> Don't do that. You're, you've muted yourself. What are you doing? This is all gone technically wrong. I, I didn't <laughs> mute myself. You've gone deaf. <laughs> I thought you were actually taking, <laughs> taking the piss then. <laughs> Leave this, this is great. Uh, no, I literally have. I went swimming at the weekend um, and water went in and unfortunately has not yet leaked out. What? So I, I know. Where's, where is it? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's somewhere swimming around my uh, morphicles. Um, <laughs> I don't like but the it's sound blocked. of that. It's not too bad. It's getting better, but yeah. So if I sound off kilter, or if I go A a lot. Or you just start shouting wildly. <laughs> well, it's just a normal episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's been my week. But So uh, that sounds good. I'm sure there'll be some good games in this episode and some fun film and TV. Um, yes. 
and I think we've also got one, one, just one solitary little crapvert. Little well single crapvert, tiny, isolated, lonely old crapvert. It is. It's down there at the bottom of the agenda, waiting to yes. be mocked. We'll, we'll get to you, don't you worry, little oh, crapvert. Oh, we will get to you. We will <laughs> reach you. Right, let's crack on. Should we move into our first game? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And Graham, we've got a sequel on our hands, a sequel called Mega Apocalypse. Mega Apocalypse. Mega Apocalypse. Not just an apocalypse, a mega apocalypse. This is massive. This is huge. This is an apocalypse that has been multiplied by mega. Yeah. (laughs) So this is programmed and programmed. It's just programmed and the sound effects and everything by Simon (laughs) Nickel. Just programmed. Just in case you wanted to do that. Simon Nickel did this. Simon Nickel, everyone. Simon Nickel. He did did, um, Crazy Comets. So it's not a stretch. (laughs) Not a massive stretch, really. Yeah, luckily. It's not a massive stretch, really, for him to do this one. Not really. With it being quite similar in many ways and changed in some ways. Music here is also by Rob Hubbard. The team have remet, they've rematched, they've reformed. This is like the re- rebirth of another <laughs> pop group. Graphics by Bob Stevenson. The graphics for the title screen are actually ace. I really like the title screen for Mega Apocalypse. I think that's all he did. Did he do the sprites as well? No, that's all. all the, I think, I, I don't, also, I don't I think know. It says Nicole, graphics, it? but I think it's everything else is by Simon Nickel. Simon Nickel, everyone. Mm. Simon Nickel, he did it. There it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know why I'm saying thank you. I didn't do it. Um, find strange and exciting new worlds, Adrian, and then blast them to pieces. Very uh, cool. Right. So that's the story we're done with in the plot. <laughs> isn't so. that Star Trek? Oh, no. It's the other thing in Star Trek, isn't <laughs> it? Yeah, that's, they don't do. That's the opposite of Star Trek. This is, <laughs> they don't find exciting new yeah, worlds. So, so there's no real rules to this. Just, you know, kill everything and also collect things. So this is one or two players, we're dual allies and dual enemies. Um, it has five channel sound, five channels, Adrian, five. Wow. Which is pretty impressive because remember the old Sid, when you got three, somehow they found a way to force two more channels out of its tiny little orifices. <laughs> We don't want to know how they did that, but they did it. They found they went, a way. They went muscle deep. They went muscle deep and pushed more channels out. Um, so amazing what you can get out of a Sid chip, really, isn't it? Uh, it apparently yeah. utilizes two separate speech channels with sampled dialogue and effects. Super fast 360-degree firepower in this. Mm. Collectible pods, which you can use to enhance your spacecraft's shields, firepower, maneuverability, and speed. This also features high score. If this didn't have that, this game would be the most pointless game of all time. <laughs> So it's a good job. It's got the and ultra score and a galactic hall of fame. Scoring's kind of all you've got here. Yes. Um, so that is that's it. I mean, there's no more story to this. They've not wrapped it in. You know, there is. If you go to the cassette inlay for this, it's almost like it reads like uh, I don't. I haven't cut and pasted it, and I'm not going to read it all out. But do seek it out. Maybe I find something and put it in the show notes. But it's written as if you're reading it while the tape's loading. Because halfway through, the thing goes, is it loaded yet? Is it loaded yet? It's nearly there. It's not loading. It's just kind of. It's, it's just stupid. It's tongue in cheek. It's it's a fugazi. It's a fugazi. It doesn't matter. Um, because it's just it's nothing there's no story to this it's a mad frantic arcade style shooter that has all the sounds and pizzazz that you would expect from something called Mega Apocalypse without a doubt sadly and unbelievably it hides a very 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 boring game so what's going on graphics are quite good here graphics I think are quite good the spaceship looks good albeit that it is a a whistle essentially sort of a pointy (laughs) whistle but it's a good pointy whistle, I think. It's a more, it's, this is a more advanced version of Crazy Comets, and I quite liked Crazy Comets. It was, I wasn't struck on it, because my problem with Crazy Comets is that there's not a lot to it. And it's all right in the, in the context of an arcade, you could put your 10 pence in, because it's based on Mad Planets, isn't it? Yes, it is, yes. So you put your 10 pence or whatever it would be, and you just have a blast for 10 pence. Okay, you know, you get maybe you get a high score, that's that. Have I ever wanted to own that? <laughs> that experience, like repeatedly do that a lot. 
no, I didn't want to do it with Crazy Comets. And so well, this is just in that kind of, uh, they've taken Crazy Comets, they've taken it to the gym for about a year. They've been giving this thing <laughs> some kind of roids and something. They've got, this, 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 comes, this thing has come out of the gym angry at the world. This is a sh- shouts at you when it starts. So they've got some decent sort of powerful, you know, powerful look and feel. This is all production, all light and no heat, as they said once in Battle Beyond the Stars. The upgrades are quite cool in this, so they but they, they float at you and they're a bit random. And in fact, they're so random, you don't really know what you're getting. In fact, it, just, it doesn't really matter. As long no. as you can shoot and move and do that, then this game is going to be maybe something you'll enjoy for the first six to seven screens of that. But that's all it is. Plants fly in of different shapes and sizes. They kind of annoy you because they seem to just fly at you. Plants don't do that, by the way. They don't aim at you. If that was the case, we'd be doomed in the universe, wouldn't we? They're flying away from each other. <laughs> but in this, they kind of fly. I think it's meant to be some kind of weaponized thing. I don't know. There's no real story to it. So it's never explained. But you've just, you just got to blow everything up. Some of the planets are big, some of the small. So there's big ones, small ones, some as big as your head. Um, <laughs> and there are bigger ones that are kind of bonus ones. You just got to shoot, keep shooting at them until they blow up. If you shoot them when they're small, they blow up quicker. When they get to be big, well, you've got to sort of float around and navigate around and shoot them that way. Pretty much everything in this thing moves. So you move, you, you, you can move your ship, you can rotate your ship. The planets move, they fly about. The stars in the background are kind of swirling. Them. Everything bloody moves. So, you know, you've got no real, it's sort of everything's coming, coming at you. It's all in, very in your face and it all kind of shouts at you. But it is very, very difficult to stay alive for long in this game. In fact, I'd say probably not really possible to get beyond many levels unless you have the dexterity and and the reflexes of some kind of freakish bird of prey become humanoid. <laughs> An Australian pigeon mixed with a gazelle or something. I don't know how you would have the you know you'd need you'd need you'd need the three sixty sixty vision of something on this because the, the although there's not many of these planets flying about generally, um, they are crazy annoying and they will get in your way. And I found I don't know if you found this. Maybe you like maybe when you know when you have your minutes with this, you'll say. But I, I found r- rotating the joystick round and shooting and maneuvering it was impossible to actually do and avoid things. So I just ended up either mm-hmm. almost sticking to the spaceship, being what sort of pointing upwards, yeah, and shooting. That way, because if I rotated it, I simply lost the plot and I just smashed into things all the time, and it became really frustrating. And I didn't—not that I lived very long anyway. Um, so the game is actually pretty boring, very hard, very samey. It's the—I I mean, it, it's the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. There's no very real variation to this. The sound effects are really good because they are sampled sound effects, so the sound effects do sound nice. And the little short speeches, you know, the speed up and all of that, really good. It's got an arcade quality presentation to this but it inherits arcade difficulty and since i'm not gonna you know put 10p in this and go and play something else i've got this for you know 8.95 i've got it you know i've i'd need to know that there was a point and a direction to it i'd need to know that there was a goal that i wasn't just going to be doing 50 levels of the same thing and, and it's never going to be any variety and so for me those are real frustration points because the game just feels pointless now um i don't like the music for mega apocalypse as controversial as that may be to some ears i think it's one of rob hubbard's worst compositions i think it's an mishmash of sound that doesn't suit this game particularly it keeps the pace i suppose but the whole thing just feels like it's it's got that kind of house music dance vibe that they tried it's loads of odd sounds thrown together into the mix it's a kind of a weird riff on the original crazy comments it doesn't work it's and it was a there was a couple of tunes that rob hubbard did that were a bit like this and um, where they were kind of remixes of things and i think it's i just think it sounds horrible this cacophony of this sort of mixed mishmash of house dance stuff thrown at you all of this lights and action sound it's a frankenstein of a tune for me i don't like it so don't like the, t- the tune graphics are nice sound effects good don't like the tune game is dull <laughs> boring and repetitive and so i suppose the overwhelming thing for me is that you don't feel like you're playing a game any more than existing in a space of this world for a while and then you're dead because everything just seems to happen around you no matter what and all you really are is controlling a whistle for maybe three seconds and periodically trying to point it in the odd direction it was no fun 
I need sophistication in my shooters now. I need controllable power-ups. I need to, to feel that there's a progression, that I'm getting somewhere, and that it's going to lead me to a thing, to an end, to a, a goal. Not just I'm just going to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again because I got bored of it really quickly anyway. So I don't like it. It's not, it got 90% in Zap. And I can get I can see why they'd give it a high rating. I didn't rate it at all. What about you? Mm. Yeah, it sounds like it'll go a long way with all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people might like it. Not yeah, me, though. It's, it's an interesting release, this, rather than it. It's technically, as you've noted, it's very clever. Um, uses a lot of techniques to produce something that really that the C64, you know, is, is at this point, you know, probably shouldn't be capable of doing. It's five channels of sound. The speed at which everything moves around, the size of the planets, everything's fast. The, the star field, it's very technically very good. But as you've rightly pointed out, it's more crazy comets. Nearly through all that tech whiz bangery, and your enjoyment is probably going to depend on whether you liked Crazy Comets in the first place. I mean, if you didn't, then you're not going to like this because it no, you don't add don't add much more to the uh, to the mix. Really, the power ups you get are a bit of a mixed bag. And, and like you, I'm not sure being able to rotate works at all since it stops you moving. And the last thing you ever want to do in this game is stop moving. You have to constantly be moving. So holding down the fire button and then suddenly fire into, oh no, just, I couldn't, no, I didn't yeah. like it. So it ends up like some kind of weird auto up shooter and like a, almost like a mobile game. It's, it's yeah. Like an auto shooter. And then when you don't collect that, when it doesn't give you that at the start, because you don't get a choice of what you collect. There's just everything fires at you at the start. Um, yeah. And sometimes they hide a comet in there just for, just for japes, kill yeah. you. Because you can't see what's going on. It's like, oh, I don't know. It's a fast, it's competent, it's a single screen shooter, it's another version of Mad Planets. But just like you, I found it got old very quickly due to the lack of any real variety. You just do the same thing over and over and you hope to survive. And quite often I died and I respawned right in the path of something and die again and it would happen again and game over and that's it. And that was annoying because I found that sometimes death wouldn't be my fault. I'd just be spawned in the path of something and be dead again. There was no flashing or anything, just dead. The There's, there's weird names for the planets, isn't there? Strange names. They go from moon. Oh, there is, yeah. What is it? Right. They go from moon to the Mega Callisto to the Mega yeah. Crypt. On and then when the mega Zothopian Zothopian appears, big, biggest one. Yeah, the biggest these, one. These, these are the same people who named the coffee sizes in bloody Starbucks who did these planets. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Probably. Um, I found that make when that mega Zothopian appeared, despite the technical of everything else, I found that to be quite buggy. Um, sometimes yeah, it wouldn't appear maybe. in full. Sometimes. It w- I had one point where it just never appeared. So I was just left there oh, on an empty screen. the invisible screen. version. Yeah, right. I was just left there on an empty screen and there's yeah. no reset. So there's no go back to the title screen or anything that I could oh. find. I have to press in everything. Um, so I had to, you know, reset the machine and try again. I don't know whether it's a problem with the emulator. I don't know. Still, if you like Crazy Comets, you know, this is probably going to float your boat. But it is repetitive and chaotic, kind of what we said about Crazy Comets, I think. And if it's not your thing, and if like yourself, you are looking for something with a bit more control, a bit more depth, a bit more thought to it a bit more choice things like your whiz balls your nemesis all those kind of things which have come along and shown what you can do uh even your zine apps and stuff like that uh, then you gotta you're gonna have to look for your blasting action elsewhere i think um i don't know this seems to be a game did, it's another one in it did anyone want another crazy comet no no and i remember thinking that when it came out that was kind of the the talk in the playground as it were was that it's like <laughs> i didn't really like crazy comets so i would why, if i want i just play crazy comets why would i play this thing it was yeah it was sold heavily on its sound and speech i have to say there it was, was a lot yeah of, everyone was banging on about the five channel stuff and ooh, look yeah, at this yeah. and but like you I'm, I'm not i thought when i thought my emulator was mucking up when the sound came on because it's mm. a bit all over the place now so i had to I, I went over to youtube to listen to a version i thought well 
I'll tell you what, I'll, someone will have ripped it, but on YouTube probably now same. Like that, it starts off and then there's that chunk of silence, which is like... Yeah. I think it's awful. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. So no, 90%. Yeah, okay. I can see why they would give it that, but it's not something I would ever give. And even at the time, it's just this kind of like single screen craziness. Just, you know, this isn't me, you know, old man shouting at clouds or getting old reflex. I just remember not particularly digging it much back then. I don't think I put much time into it. I don't know. Not really a mega apocalypse. Just more of a chaotic shooter. I don't know. There we go. Interesting start. Mega apocalypse. Let's move on. Yes. Because we've got another one. We've got a budget title now. That last one was nine quid, by the way. Nine quid. Yeah, nine pounds. Uh, nine pounds. Uh, we've got a budget one now. Uh, this is Laser Force. Laser Force. That sounds Laser like a kid. Force. Sounds like a kid's, uh, act, you know, um, cartoon. Which yeah, I reckon it might action be. Action hero type. I thing, reckon yeah. it might be because. Mr. Prolific is back. Yes, we have another Gavin Rayburn title. God, Rayburn, Rayburn, Rayburn. <laughs> Where does he find the time to create all these games? Um, I have no idea. The boy was prolific. He's cloned himself three times. <laughs> Triple Rayburn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Ace of Codemasters released this, and according to the box, this is what they presented you with. Uh, you pilot a Delta Wing starfighter of awesome destruction power. There wow. you go. That's your, that's your story. <laughs> so yeah, don't get lost in there. <laughs> there are 32 stunningly different levels, each with four sections to conquer. It's quite impressive. So there's plenty to supposedly go at. What this actually means is the following. Each level is broken down into the same four sections with a kind of graphical makeover each time for the first section. So these four sections consist of the following. You have a vertical scrolling shooter where you must survive for a short period of time what's being bombarded um, with enemies from both in front and behind and also flames or claws or other things that shoot out from the sides. So the second stage is essentially centipede and you must destroy four main enemies to progress from the screen or just die and then you progress as well. Uh, following this is a lunar lander clone. So you, your spaceship now floats slowly towards the bottom where there is a lander craft that you have to sort of line up with it's going from left to right both you and it and you've got to kind of control it it's quite slow to respond to the controls um so it's quite tricky that one but you know if you do that your next level finds you making your way as far far up a tunnel sort of vertically scrolling tunnel in 60 seconds and that's it complete these and you progress to the next set of four very similar to might say almost the same stages and so on and so on so what we get is four very different types of gameplay here um all of which kind of with the exception of the lunar lander part so 75 percent. they're all pretty fast they're well made even i mean like, the lunar lander's all right it's very simple though um and they've got pretty decent visuals and sound in this i thought i thought this was okay the flames effects especially on that first level are particularly nice um and the variants of the first level with claws bubbles and loads of other different things are, are kind of the visual highlight here the the, the centipede game <laughs> really does look like centipede it's kind of crazy um apart from you not controlling the thing you're controlling your ship and the Lunar Lander one, the, and the you know the, the tunnel one is fast and smooth, and you know whatever. It, this, the scrolling's um, all very smooth. It's fast. The sprites are decent. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them moving around. There's no slowdown. So from a technical perspective, this is I thought this is really very good. The only the problem with it is it's got, and I'll come to this in a bit. It gets a mite repetitive though, as the gameplay lacks any real kind of depth. You have a smart bomb as well that you can launch with a space bar, and that'll destroy anything on screen. And if you make it through the phases. 
um, this is quite a, a nice nod to difficulty that you can press the letters. It says you can press the letters A through to J, but I think it's B through to J. This is on the instructions. And you can then start at the different levels. So you don't have to start in that opening one if you can sail through that without losing lives. You can start higher level and test yourself quite well. And if you do start, um, so B starts at level four, I think, and so on. Um, and if you do start at J, um, good luck because <laughs> it's rock hard. Um, there's also a demo mode as well. Um, but the player in the demo mode is really shit, <laughs> really, really terrible. Um, but it's a nice title screen. It's got scrolling text and everything like that. It's nice, presented well. Now, strangely, um, this got 32% in this issue. I think that's a travesty. Mm-hmm. Swamp Fever got 54%. Morphical got 58%. I, Strange. This, this is back back ass. This is no way near like half, only half as good. It's twice as good as any of them, which obviously would get it over 100%, but just means that Swamp Fever and Morphical were so far overrated. This is a pretty decent budget title. It's well presented. It all works. It's technically good. It looks okay. The music's quite nice that Rayburn's done. Um and it, for two quid, I think you'd, you'd, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be disappointed in this. You'd, you'd be like, oh, that's all right. This is two quid's worth of game. Um, it's better than I thought it was going to be. It's fast. It looks apart. The levels progress nicely in difficulty. Um, and like I said, you can try this out yourself. Just press, just press a letter and start on a higher difficulty level, and you can see them getting really difficult. Um, yeah, pretty good. It just lacks a little in the overall game design and the player's journey through it because it just gets repetitive. You're just kind of doing the same thing, just in more difficult scenarios and situations. Um but I think what you can see here, um, you know, Gavin Rayburn, he's, he's getting much better as he's going along, getting technically a lot better, in it, and the games are getting more interesting from what we had before. So I was pleasantly surprised with this one. I, th- I thought this was this was okay. I, I enjoyed my time having a bit of a blast on this. It can get repetitive, like I said, but at two quid, this is good budget fodder. What about you? That, it was a bit crazy, this, wasn't it? A bit of a crazy thing. Left me quite confused, really. Um, quite <laughs> frantic. Uh, it, there was, you know, each of the four levels that you sort of just blast through, I suppose, or, you know, they're, they're, yes, they're, they were pretty simple and a bit dull, maybe. I like the graphics, like you, I think the graphics are the highlight, really, for this, and the sort of production values are quite high here, especially for the price. And the colours are nice, and the sound is really in your face, kind of loud, you know, it was kind of, it had all those components, which are all going for it. Just, it perhaps is a bit derivative, but... And it's in its it's hiding those production values hide what is a pretty deriv- derivative and dull shooter game, which is leaning on lots of other games that are better, but they're not cheaper. Mm. And it's a coherent experience in that you you know you're just playing this for what it is. I wouldn't say I was you know a, a bigger fan as you of it. I was not. I mean, for two quid, all right. It certainly does. It certainly deserves more than thirty two percent. You know, it at least deserves to be above the really crappy budget games for a start. Yes. So that's definitely wrong. There's no doubt about that. And the, I suppose the benchmark for this being that it's a fully functional game, it hasn't been freeze framed from some other format, and it hasn't. <laughs> yes. And all the other problems we've encountered with some of these crappy other games, and probably some in this one, is that at least it's you know it might be a bit weird and it might be a, feel a bit bolted together in places but it's one ninety nine, and you'll get a good couple of hours of you know Sunday afternoon out of this no problem it passes that kind of Sunday afternoon test which perhaps we haven't really enforced for a while that's probably because the, all the other games would never have made it to Sunday they would have just been burned in a fire before you got there <laughs> um, so I thought around. this is I didn't think it was great, but I didn't think it was bad for one ninety nine, and it certainly deserved more than thirty two percent as a review. Think, yeah, that's where I am. I don't think it's brilliant. I think it's it's two quid's worth of four four different types of games that you re- you repeat. Yeah. I mean, and- 
some of the games are better than others. I liked the, like you said, the Centipede game was about the, one of the better ones. The sort of land your spaceship on the docking thing was a bit crap, but it's two yeah. pounds, you know, and, there's, and the graphic variety is actually pretty good. There's some real odd graphics in it. That's, I think that's why I, I say it's kind of crazy. When you first start this thing, it's a bit kind of all over the shop, yes. but it is, it is at least, there is at least a, you know, a, a playable thing and it's, you know, it isn't going to sort of quit, suddenly quit itself at the end of the first level and go, where's the disc or anything like that. And it also does that thing as well, that if you die while going through that first level, your progress is is constant so you don't have to do it all again even though you yeah, can't yeah, tell yeah. because the level's quite it doesn't actually look like much level design the distance mm-hmm. you're traveling is constantly going towards it so if you've gone halfway and you die you still only have halfway to go rather than putting it back at the beginning so that's quite i thought that was quite a nice yeah, touch yeah. and he, judging by the output from mr rayburn um he probably pooped this one out when he was on the toilet he probably just sat down <laughs> and coded this in the bog <laughs> So you know, he's, pro- he's prolific, if nothing else. So I perhaps he yeah. wasn't fully fully concentrating when he was making all of it. Well, it's not the, so. the it's not the last Gavin Rayburn title we'll see this this well, episode. No, but I think this is definitely a conceived in the toilet game. But that doesn't mean it's bad. <laughs> it just means that it's probably not as fully thought through because at some point he was concentrating on something else. <laughs> oh, there you go, Laser Force. So yeah, okay. so have, a have a look. Don't let those zapticians fool you with their silly percentages, their budget reviews for this particular episode. And this, that's pretty much this episode. So this issue of Zap have been absolutely obtuse. I don't think they've played half of them. I can't, I can't see it. But that's just about my, my view. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm the same. There's no way they can get uh, lower than Morphical. No oh, way. Or, or Swamp Fever. Swamp. Yeah, awful stuff. Anyway, yeah, here you go. Laser Force. Not too bad. Two quid. Let's move along. Graham, I'm very sorry to tell you this, but you are going on your last mission. No, £9.99 worth of last mission. <laughs> Compare this to the last one. <laughs> this is Data East, copyrighted, produced by, published, published by, published originally. I don't know. It's Data East. Code, I think it's Data East US Gold, isn't it? Yeah, Coded by arcade, Keith, it? Yeah. Keith Perkis. That's Keith. It's a knockout Perkis. Yay. Yeah. Music, <laughs> of course. Dave Whitaker. We'll come back to the music because it it's just there's a familiarity to this, all this Dave Whitaker music in this episode. Um, anyway, uh, you've been banished, Adrian, from the galaxy by invaders. Just invaders. Just, you know, invaders. And this the outcast you must infiltrate the enemy starbase and destroy their hq to free your people so you've been banished they've been captured i think is if they're being held <laughs> captured. anyway you're not expected to survive this hence the reason it's your last mission so you know so it's you know it's one of those ones you know go and do something for us all right you're not asked to get some surveillance yeah, see you later the rigger now take some photos <laughs> while you're dying take some photos while you're dying. see you later maybe um <laughs> and we won't see him again uh, the game starts <laughs> and you control one of four spaceships across an eight-way scrolling 16 second to backdrop mm. you scroll mm. around and must blow up land targets <laughs> mm. you will be attacked and you must avoid the enemy's installations to survive you can pick up smart bombs or smart bombs as i've written for some reason but they're not smart they're smart <laughs> They're not very smart. Uh, from the remnants of some of the destroyed land targets, call them buildings or something. <laughs> just land targets just seems so. Just seems a bit, you know. Just call them something. Put an effort in here. Come on. Constructions, buildings. Huts, <laughs> they, 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 houses, they don't do that in the military, do they? What's the, what's the mission? What's the mission on this bombing mission? Well, just go and bomb some land targets. Wh- which ones? Well, just the ones that are on the land. You know, you, you ask too many questions. <laughs> Anything that's got a target on it. Yeah, and if you if you see them, pick up a few smart bombs so you can do that in the game. The main display is your game area in this. So you've got you know with the surrounding UI, so it's kind of around the edges that indicates your number of lives or enemies remaining because you have to shoot so many. Um, a weapon type that you might have, which 
has no bearing on anything that I could possibly grasp anyway. I don't know if I the what there might be other weapons. I didn't find any, at least it, knowingly. Current your current sector and your score. Um so the graphics in here are a bit basic, and that, that is the game, by the way. So you're just kind of rotating around a, a thing, shooting the land targets until land targets. Until yeah. you make it to in each sector until those sixteen sectors are cleared and then that's it. You know, you've freed the people and that's the end of that. You'll never get there though. You're no longer banished, um, I guess. You know, look at you're unbanished. You you know, you come back. Come back now, but this was you said it was my last mission. I forgot about it. Don't come back. And you're not welcome. We did we sent you because we didn't want you. And we sent you the last mission. Yeah. How clear do we need to make this that yeah. we don't so, want sorry. you back? Yeah, we're, were we not clear? um so the graphics are very basic uh, but i suppose okay okay Mm. the backdrops are quite dull they're livable but they are dull the controls though are a jerky eight-way affair (laughs) instead of the usual (laughs) rotation that these games give you some smooth 360 rotation this has got this has got a really odd control system where you just point in the angular direction where you want to go which we know we said before that'd be great if they did that it isn't though Because it's not the way these guys did it, because it just no. kind of jerks around. I mean, it's just me sort of jerk. They don't need to, need to go north, jerk north. They need to go sort of south, jerk south. It's just the screen sort of visually sort of judders a bit when you go in different directions. I'm just not sure that they thought this through properly when it comes to smooth and scrolling. So instead of that, I say that usual rotation, you've got this kind of, I don't know, eight way judder, judder control. The enemies seem to float about with no logic and whatsoever. They just kind of float about, collide with things. Um, and you get this really annoying, elongated intro section each time you die. And respawn every time you die. This, this, yeah. this, this it's like watching. It's like it's just like a mini playlet that has to happen, and you're like, by the with <laughs> when you got four lives, so by the time you get to the second time this is happening, you're like, oh come on, no, I don't want to see it again. Can I skip it? No, you can't skip it. You're going to watch it every time. Like, <laughs> it can't oh, be right. skipped. <laughs> you can't be skipped. So, so at a certain point, you know, you want it to be the last time. You think, please let this be the last bloody mission. I don't, I don't want to have to see that again. Um, the music is yet another dull Dave Whitaker 40 second loop, which I suppose is engaging enough in this game. Seems to reappear yeah. later. Um, the main issue here is the game seems to favour collision of enemies and that's so the game seems to favour the collision of enemies so they seem to be colliding with you and, and you don't seem to be able to avoid them properly and the controls don't help with that and then every time that happens and you you know, you know die and you get overwhelmed you're back to that stupid respawn sequence which means that makes your eye twitch and you start to get full on <laughs> angry with it. it the whole thing lacks proper polish and it feels like it needed more development time it doesn't feel finished to me this it feels like there was some issues like somebody said shouldn't we make that scrolling smoother and like ah no. that involves <laughs> pro- possibly scrolling things and you know just judder around Judder, judder, judder. I mean, you don't control your car like that. Um, so I, I don't know. Judder. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it, it either needed more development time, possibly a more confident developer behind it. Because if this is based on an arcade, then I don't imagine the arcade is. I imagine the arcade is probably smoother, um, but possibly dull. I don't know. It I didn't is. look into seeing if this. I didn't look into the arcade at all. I, I, I was wasn't overly impressed with this. It's ten pound, which is a lot of money for this sort of thing. And there's loads of games like this that do this better already. Play Parallax. Parallax is better than this, and it's the same sort of idea. Um, I just think that the end result was worth 10 quid, and that very, very good. Zap gave it 49%. I'd give it slightly less. I don't think it was a very good game at all. It's a, it, budget, you might have got away with 49% as a one ninety nine game for this, but no. If it was the last mission, I can see why. Not, yeah. It certainly was my last mission with that. <laughs> 
<laughs> glad to see the bloody back of the bloody and that stupid intro sequence and everyone will see it again for the rest of my natural without, life yeah without it is similar i mean i had a look at the arcade um port of the arcade original and there is a an, an a track sequence in that where there's some it's like a spaceship supposed to fly across but in in the c64 version it's just a, a splat yeah. um it just flies no. across and it's not very good. Anyway, no, this is another not. Data East crap catastrophe um, and a port of a pretty poor and derivative arcade in the first place. So I'd never liked the original arcade. I thought it was not very good. And it's not particularly great. So it was never going to be a winner when the original was dire in the first place. It's a poor ripoff of Time Pilot. So, you know, it's that. It's, you, know, you go back yeah, to the original yeah, yeah. with a multi-directional scrolling. But this version only allows you to aim in eight directions. Oh, this means lining up any shots is a pain in the ass. Just a um, bit. And, and it lacks the ability. In the arcade, you could kind of flick sort of, if you were flying to the right or left or up or down, you could kind of flick a, flick a little bit so you could kind of flick your bullets a little more to the left and right so you could kind of get a bit more spread on your shots. Obviously, that's gone in this version. So you, you can't do that. So it's kind of reminding me of, uh, what was the other one? Jailbreak, where you couldn't run diagonally and just removing those kind of abilities from the arcade renders the playing of it a pain in the ass uh the music is a pain in the eardrum just to say by the way laser force that was a dave whitaker piece as well we're in for a dave whitaker triple treat here because the next one is as well laser force had decent yeah laser force was a decent tune this one interesting this one we'll come to it a bit later I thought this music was a pain in the eardrum. Um, and I, I found as well that you had different speeds, whether you moved up, down, or at a di- left or right, or at a diagonal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that doesn't help matters. So, and also the fact that you die when hitting the crappy explosions that are left behind. Um, yeah. You don't just die, do you? You kind of do that spinny. Um, oh, don't. Oh, the spinny, the spinny death sequence where you still think you're in control, but you're spinning and you're not, and you're dead. Yeah, and then you get you have that intro again. Oh, spinning. It's just a crap icing on a crap cake. It really did turn into my last mission very quickly, just like you. Um, with the off switch being pummeled quick, smartish. This game should be banished, is what I think. Forty nine percent. I mean, <laughs> I, I comp- compare this to the last one, which got thirty two, and it's just that's it's all wrong. Yeah, I'd something rather, going way on, rather play Laser Force than this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, last mission was a. It's just a. It's just a bad port. That uh, you know, this is in those line of games that we looked at. Like, uh, what's that crappy floaty jump one? Legend of Cage was it? Oh yes, yes, yes. It's just in that kind of category. It's like it's an arcade game. Quick, convert it. No thought about. Well, is it any good? I don't know. We bought it. Um, <laughs> we just bought a load of them. So get them converted quickly. And there's no thought to this. It's just get them out. Get them quick. Get them done. Get some. You know, get people thinking it's like the arcade, which they won't like. So uh, no. last mission. No, yep. no. Let's move on. And our next one. Um, now, uh, yeah, this is. I'll come. I'll speak about the music in this. This is the tube. The tube. Tube. Uh, this is the age of the tube. Uh, this was nine pound. This came from who made this? I forgot who made it. Um, I can't remember. I'll have a look. I didn't it. write it down. Anyway, calamities come in threes, and in this game, that could apply to the levels. But let's get to that in a bit. Um, you pilot the good ship tracker two um we don't talk about what happened to the tracker one not around these parts it's just a bar with you just basically just a bar with nuts and peanuts it's, um, and chocolate chips quicksilver by it's quicksilver yes it is isn't it yeah how could i forget but unfortunately your tracker two has run out of fuel it has been sucked into a black hole and spat out right next to the tube which is a huge alien device that is responsible for disposing of space waste so i thought to myself what exactly is space waste um and Do like you really we want said an answer be- to that <laughs> well like we said before space is massive yes yes 
So the likelihood of coming across some space waste is optimistic at the best. It's astronomical. It's beyond, you know, it's beyond winning the lottery. Yeah, just a bit. Anyway, you get sucked into the tube and what follows is a mini game compendium. We've got another gun. So like last, last laser force, whatever. We've got three different types of games here. So the title screen, when it starts, is it's just, it's just a mash of stuff. It's just, it was a bit. It's just an overwhelming mash of just things. It's got a scrolling message and many UI elements that don't mean very much. Um, and two circles rotate against each other at the top we also have another dave whitaker tune and this dave whitaker tune sounds exactly like the one from last mission and i exactly mean exactly like it. it's, it's exactly like it's, just, it's like he turned in the same piece of music it may have sent them the wrong file i think <laughs> um so the first part of this game sees you being sucked into the anus of the tube as various sprite clagnuts fly at you and you can Ouch. shoot them if you choose <laughs> Ew. That's what it looked like to me. Uh, get through this part leads you to the next zone, which is the defense mechanism tunnel, which I suppose was what you'd get if you flew into an anus, um, yes. which strangely resembles scramble to my eyes. Um, yeah. Get through that, and it's onto the capture area, um, where you must fly around and hook your ship up to previously captured craft and suck the life out of them to power up your ship. Do that, and it's back to the beginning. That's it. That's the three games. So three games. Do we have a triple treat or a treble terror? Unfortunately, it's the latter as this game has problems and many of them. So let's look at the first part. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> and I, I, you and don't, I literally you mean don't. that. You can put the joystick down and just wait for the distance. So you basically, you have distance to count down to zero. So what you have is this 3D effect, like this grid, as you fly over this grid and sprites come out. And there's, there's you can you kind of have a, a sort of like part of the screen is just kind of your viewpoint and you can move that left or right. And you, you move that by moving your cursor, uh, which is where you use to shoot these clagnuts sprite things that come flying at you but you don't need to do any of that it's it's, so it's it's just rubbish so these irrelevant sprites fly at you they get splattered on your windscreen if you do anything but it doesn't matter because you'll your energy is so high that you'll i was it was that's something like seven and a half thousand your energy and counts down as you're flying and with every hit you lose a bit but by the time i got to the distance which counts down from 300 or something to zero i, I was still at energy of six thousand, and i hadn't moved the joystick so there's a fundamental gameplay wrong i hadn't put any cheats on or anything my energy was going down so i don't understand it but getting through that will lead you to the scramble section and here they've obviously realized that the game was too easy and literally catapult you into the scenery for instant death <laughs> but you, you just it speeds you up and straight into it and if you don't move up you're, you're dead. dead yeah yep. i don't understand why anyone thought this was a good idea but you have to push up as you get catapulted and then you have to try and make your way through the single color defense mechanism tunnel as bombs fall and missiles fly from the floor you played scramble you know the deal it's that but except just through a very narrow corridor and with no thought to the player death puts you back at the beginning and will sap your actual energy your bodily energy your energy of wanting to get further because why would you want to sit through the boring opening sequence section again should you fail because it's just dull um if you do make it through the third section is a top down upward scroller as you kind of control it if you try and find downed uh, spaceships that look like yours from the top you interface with them you complete a boring puzzle you leech off their energy um Again, the use of colors are poor, and this looks like a Spectrum game throughout. Its its use of color, its title screen, everything looks Spectrum-esque. None of the three games are particularly enjoyable, because the first one's not even a game. It's, it's not anything. You walk off. You know, it's well-programmed. It all works. But there's nothing to hold your interest in any of the three sections and encourage you to want to persevere with this. The swing from no challenge at all to instant death in the next section shows once again that there was little in the way of testing going on. And despite the three sections actually working... The dull and pointless to play through. So yes, a treble terror. Um, I didn't think this was particularly very good. I didn't note down who programmed it. I don't think there was any information on it. Maybe you did. I can have a look. But I, I, I didn't enjoy this. Did you enjoy the tube? Your your trip down the tube? Oh, the music was familiar, wasn't it? 
Um, very some nice there's some nice technical touches to the code in in this and especially in the first level albeit that there's no point to it yeah but the way sort of the sort of the way that you fly forwards and the kind of the way you move your screen around and shoot at the things even though there's no point in doing that um it that i like i quite like the way that played it's just it was just pointless which is unfortunate um moving the control window was quite satisfactory in that kind of way and you got kind of a nice sense of pace you could have made a lot more out of that but they didn't um <laughs> they made nothing so, out of it. no demo. so exactly so you just kind of float through that and then you get to the you know the annoying scramble clone um and it's like i said it's not immediately obvious that you need to push up initially so you're going to die at least a couple of times before you think oh god i've got to push up straight away because you, you know like you say you catapulted into the scenery it's like stupid don't do that don't make games start like that <laughs> no. um because it's really stupid the graphics and, and like you say and then the, when you get to the next stage if you can be bothered really after you've gone past the scramble bit but if you can bother i didn't think much to the the next part after that either it was all a bit by the time i got there i thought is this is this it is there going to be more of this is what's what am i doing the graphics are a bit basic i suppose you could call them passable really they're not there's not much to them i mean the, the effects are better than the graphics if that makes sense mm-hmm. certainly in the first section the second the, the second section we've got that weird thin sort of monochromatic almost version of scramble with the what looked like a mini spatial which is yeah. you know not very nice in the 80s to make space shuttles be blowing up in games you know it's unfortunate really um yeah so it was just it was it just it was just yeah it threw you back to the beginning of the tunnel didn't it? every time you died as well which is a bit annoying you're gonna lose you know when you lose your lives it's right back again through and you got to go through the you know the pointless section again it just for me it was loads of ideas that were bolted together that just didn't there was no put no there was no rhyme or reason to put these things together in, into a coherent tube the tube was just some kind of weird way of connecting something <laughs> that they thought oh look how how can we connect three random game ideas together i don't know put them in a tube oh yeah right, i'll do yeah so yeah i don't know why you can't do that no, that's, that's the reason why they don't just didn't put all the Star Wars movies in just in a giant tube. <laughs> and then, right? Just put, put, yes. put them in a tube. You know, you can't just cram things together in, sequ- in a sequence and it doesn't work. And this... J- Nice tech touches here and there, but there's nothing to this, is there? It doesn't work. It doesn't gel together. There's no coherence to it, no coherency to it. So it no. feels empty and it feels disjointed. And that meant I didn't like it. I wouldn't have liked it even if I'd have heard of it before, which I hadn't, but I certainly wouldn't have liked spending £8.95 for that. So no, um, Zap gave it a, 50, a, a week 54. I would I would say that's maybe that's about right, but I feel maybe it's a bit high. Again, mm-hmm. we're looking at some of, the, some of the games that should have got better and didn't. I don't know. The, the, the reviewing scores are all over the shop in this this episode and sorry this issue of zap and this episode to some extent is a reflection of that but um no i didn't enjoy it so no the tube can, no. Uh, tube off no <laughs> yeah it was it reminded me of like a worse version of that what was a weird one that we that you kind of liked um sigma seven which had that triple sort of section yeah thing yeah to the it. game's better it, in so that. Design, it, it, that's what that true sigma seven was way better but that kind of triple you know yeah, stage thing idea yeah yeah um, just to say, it was uh, programmed by Martin Gannon, who didn't like done anything else according to Lemon Sixty Four, uh, with graphics by Mike Donnelly, um, who you remember from such games as Agent Orange and Nether Earth. Oh yeah, yeah, remember them. Mm, we remember them. Yeah. So there you go. Just to sort of say who did it. Not very good. I didn't like the trip down the tube. No one does. No, no down one does. the tubes. Down it. Let's move on quickly. Surely it's got to get better. It has to get better, surely. Does it get any better, Graham? As a flunky? Flunky. Well, no. No, <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> no point in me trying to uh, sugarcoat this pill. No. <laughs> 
This is coded by Don Priestley. You remember Don Priestley from such amazing games as Trapdoor and Popeye. Now, I quite like Trapdoor in its own special way. And, and Popeye, well, I didn't really enjoy that. But Don Priestley has a look and feel to his games. Let's call it the Don Priestley engine. And um, this is a sort of an arcade adventure 2D style. It's basically a, like a royal family retelling of Trapdoor and Popeye in a kind of way. So in this game, in this game variant, um, you have found yourself a job as a flunky, which, by the way, is a liveried manservant or footman at Buckingham Palace, which, of course, is the Queen's house in the UK, where she lives in Queens. Liveried? Um, yeah, liveried. Yeah, liveried, as, as in somebody with livers, I guess. Um, somebody <laughs> that wears nice clothes. Anyway, liveried. Covered in liver. <laughs> yeah, just a lovely liver. I don't his like best liver. Mate is, don't like his me. best mate is Max Bacon. <laughs> Um, anyway, so here uh, as the manservant uh, at Buckingham Palace, you are at the mercy of the UK royal family. In this instance, namely the Queen, uh, Prince Andrew, Sarah Ferguson, Prince Charles and, and Princess Diana. Bit dated. Times have changed a bit nowadays. Yeah. Some of those, some of those people have changed their uh, public persona. Some of them have sadly died. Um, so as is the norm for Don Priestley games, you have to complete a series of tasks throughout the palace or throughout the dungeon or throughout wherever you are as a giant character walking around lots of 2D landscapes. So first on the agenda in this game, light all the fires with your matches so you've got to go and light all the fireplaces some areas of you don't generally light fireplaces with matches not the way they do it in this game anyway some areas of the palace require to have the right authentication slash signature of a royal family member to enter so you need to find these as well or complete missions to get them and then you can use those to access certain parts of the palace or to or if you do if you don't have those ones and you wander in front of a soldier who guards some of these areas you're going to get shot and lose one of your five lives Seems a bit harsh, that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll come to As this. I'll come to that in a moment. But yes, it, it, it is. Yes. Yeah, it is. You know, you, if you go into the wrong area of Buckingham Palace, I feel sure that they don't kill you. I feel sure. As, a, as a, an employee, it's kind of, it's it would not look good, generally. <laughs> just, you know, it's just... It's just I'm pretty sure that, you know, they're not that barbaric in the, in the old Buckingham Palace. Anyway, so... Um, as you travel around this 2D version of Buckingham Palace, which is kind of in that kind of Don Priesty way, so it looks the graphics look a lot like Popeye, um, Trapdoor, that kind of 2D face on, very big kind of sprites, well, not sprites, like characters that are animated from however he does it, whatever magic in the Don Priestly engine that does that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to cross um, some of these royal member, uh, royal family members. Come across royal members, you'd be in a tr- different whole different situation, <laughs> but you come across some ro- royal family members. Um, obviously, you've got to complete some really odd tasks for them and that's in order to get signatures and so you've got to fetch Prince Andrew a toy boat for his bath um, so when you go in the bathroom you'll see him in the bath it's all, it's just it's all a bit odd you've got to get a wig for Princess Diana for example and stuff like that it's just like that freckles for Fergie anyway um, so you complete those five tasks which when once you've done all of those you get these five signatures that you need to enter the Queen's chamber which isn't like aliens by the way so you can't go in there where she's just <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant if it was she's just <laughs> thunking, thunking out loads of eggs who's laying all these eggs <laughs> oh, there's another one. Thunk. Oh, thunk. <laughs> Get away from her, you your honourable bitch. <laughs> Get away. Shoo. Shoo, I say. Um, so anyway, so, yeah, oh, so it's not make, that, that kind make, of Queen's Chamber. That would make, that would make Charles and the aliens. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe. That could, have, that could have given this game a sci-fi twist it needed. It probably could um, have, yeah. So, and that, then you can complete the final task, whatever that might be. And then upon doing that, you're no longer a flunky and you can go about your retired life or get another job. So in other words, you all of that effort in this game is, and you end up unemployed. Seems really <laughs> negative. The whole thing seems doomed. Seems like a comment yeah. on the 80s to I mean, me. The, well, the way they pitched the game is that you're, you know, you're rescued from unemployment by this flunky job. Then when you actually go through and complete all your royal tasks, the, your, your reward for that 
decides to get fired at the end. Now, thank you very much. Off you go. Oh, all right. Okay, well, so much for being a flunky then. Thanks, thanks. I'll go and be a manservant somewhere else, you bloody egg-laying cheeky monkey. <laughs> egg-laying. <laughs> <laughs> so the view is similar to all the other games of this type with large slow moving characters in that kind of 2D with 2D screen depth so you can move forward and back front to back in this game <laughs> back um, and to the left now historically all of these games have always had the same problem they're slow and ploddy this one isn't that much different there's, there's parts where it's quicker quicker that's actually in part because some of the palace it doesn't display it just sort of shrinks the screen down to yes. a small section and it goes quite fast through those small sections surprise surprise when there's less on the screen it draws quicker. Who knew that that was a powerful thing to do? But it doesn't help. Um, so in some parts of the palace, you don't get the full screen. And that's I suppose it's a nice trick if you can put up with that. The mainstay of the game is wandering around, picking things up and completing the tasks with objects that you either have to find or pick up or whatever. It's basically like Trapdoor. If the queen shouted from upstairs going, fetch me my slippers. And then you had to wander around as a flunky trying to find it. It would be Trapdoor, this game. It would be basically yes, Trapdoor. Yes, it would be, yes. So it's not dissimilar to that. It's clearly another Spectrum Cum Commodore game. So this is obviously, you know, I think it's the port from the Spectrum version, or at least there's a, there must be a, it looks kind of Spectrum-y, even if it, perhaps, I don't know if it is, or this is the originating one. I don't know the full lineage because I don't really want to know. Um, but more, it's, it's it does have a Spectrum-y look. When the characters go over the background, they do kind of have blocks around them. It's not, it's not, they're not terrible graphics for this kind of thing, I suppose. But I don't, I don't think they're amazing. They're big and bold and they do look quite funny, I suppose. And I think, the intention of this game was for it to be some kind of side-splitting commentary. I, I don't get it. The humour is kind of, I suppose there's maybe subtle humour in some of the caricatures of things and maybe the situations, you know, <laughs> look, Prince Andrew's in the bath. But nowadays that has a whole different connotation, so you probably wouldn't want to think about that. <laughs> um, but either way, th- th- at the time, I don't know that any of those situations would be, you know, would have you howling and rolling around on the floor in laughter because, you know, the, you know you've got to enter the Queen's chamber. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know quite know what the funny bit is, but anyway, so it's dated badly, obviously, given the current state of you know, state of affairs with the royal family and everything else, and the characters in the game, and all the rest of that stuff. It's you no, know, that's that's not going to make, make this game any great great shakes. They do these games when they do this kind of thing date very quickly when when you know when you see that kind of thing. The sound is super basic, not much there. There's nothing terrible here. There's a little bit of music at the beginning, but nothing great. So a bit of a re- for me, it was a reskin and a rehash of something that he's done several times before, and they weren't that interesting then. The best of those was um, Trapdoor, but we criticised Trapdoor for not having much anarchic fun and stuff about it so mm. hey you've set a game in the most stuffy environment possible and you still don't manage to get any anarchic fun you just you know put some odd characters in silly situations and only five of those maybe it's for um uh, don priestly completionists this one maybe you know well, we may as well get this one we've got all the other don priestly games maybe you know there's people out there that actually have those words in their <laughs> mouths and have fallen out i don't know not me though <laughs> it's quite a big map i guess if, so mappers might get a bit of a giddy on for this if you you know but it'll appear in zap in a couple of weeks i don't doubt i didn't hate hate it but it's the right score for Zap for this for once and for me I never really dug any of the Don Priestley games I, I tolerated Trapdoor because I quite liked Trapdoor but I don't really like these games I find them slow ploddy and meandering and I think the joke was wasted on me anyway here I, I should make my own jokes up in the end so um, no not for, not for me this one so I didn't enjoy being a flunky um, no what about you no no, I don't want to be the butler to the royal family. I don't. So, and his games are generally about wish fulfillment. This is about as far away from my wishes as it's possible to be. Um, <laughs> here we are, flunky to the royals. And royals of the 1980s, uh, and I don't think this game has aged well at all. So walking no. in on Andrew in the bath made me turn coattails and leg it as fast as I could. I wanted no part of that nonsense. No. Absolutely. I also found that the the idea that Fergie's freckles were drawn on and Princess Diana wore a wig, I felt I 
But that, that was a little mean. It's just weird, uh, though. It's it's also a little mean because it's sort of playing on that sort of you know women need their looks and everything and have to have a certain way to do. Yeah, whereas, yeah, yeah. Um, Never got that. Yeah. Which is I thought you know because both of them are, are, both of the tasks for those are you know make them look nicer. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas the boys are bring me a boat and fetch my balls, mm. um, which is what Charles wants. Um, and maybe that's a comment sort of thing on the fact that he you know he's a, not stands up to anyone. I don't know. Um, but in in a, don't forget this is. Coming Coming out in an age of um, you know spitting image, so yeah, that's what I mean. So it lacks any of the humour. <laughs> so we've you know we've, we're long past the sort of point where the royals were not fair game for um, being the made fun of. Yeah. So spitting image is I'm pretty sure out by now, and they were being well yeah, and is, truly, yeah, well and truly, you know, sent you know, yeah, as you said, lampooned. The visuals, yeah, as you said, the speedier than trapdoor. That's because the, there's less of them on screen. Um, <laughs> but I it's like the same. <laughs> but it's the same gameplay we saw, saw there. So if, if you dug trapdoor, you may like this. Obviously, you'd like them also, not maybe not. I don't know. But if not, then pampering to the royal family is a very big no from me no matter how big you make the characters and how gaffoursome you try and make it this no if they'd have made the queen an alien thunking <laughs> out eggs with you know with and those we're not kind of saying gra- that she is or isn't we're just pretty clear about that <laughs> with those kind of character sprites then i would have been into this much more called it ripley um rather than flunky yeah we could have we could have been talking then um <laughs> 10 quid for this oof, oof. a lot in it is a lot. Like yeah, I didn't. I didn't like this. Slow, boring, large characters. Royal family. No thanks. No, no, thank you. No, not for me. There we go. Flunky. Flunk off. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Got one more left. Let's move on to it. So this is Toad Force, and it's another budget title from another one of our regular creators. <laughs> another. One, these two must be just responsible for about ninety percent of the games we've looked at recently. Mm-hmm. Um. It's another, another. It's a bouncerthon. This one, another budget bouncerthon. Uh, it's not supposed to be though, but it makes her way to our screen courtesy of Mr. Carl Hornell. Carl Hornell, ladies and gentlemen, Carl Hornell. There he is. Um, Carl Hornell. Yay! You know Carl Hornell. He did uh, cleanup service, cleanup time, fungus, and all those other kinds of stuff. He's got that look. Let's get the obvious out of the way. Okay, this looks nice in the way that Carl Hornell's games always do. He's got really nice sprites. He's got a really, he's got a really nice graphical style that he does mm. in all his games. It all look like that. Um, the backdrops are nice. The music's okay as well. Yeah, production-wise, this is punching above its budget price, I'd say. Kind of like that Laser Force was, but, you know, it's showing up other people that look what can be done for two quid. The problem is all that, mm, what is the game? Uh, well, according to Moby Games, uh, which is the only place I can find some kind of write-up on this, you are a biomechanical fighting toad, and you've been sent to a planet containing the central computer uh, to an advanced defense system to destroy it. And in order to do this, you must think you've got to make your way through five scrolling levels that sees you start on the surface then make your way underground through gaps in the ground and reach the computer or something and blow it up or destroy it you've got to make your way through this stuff i can't really attest to any of this because control on this is an absolute nightmare an absolute nightmare to control this damn thing you bounce off everything that is solid everything um you cannot slow down properly to get through the gaps and if you do you get killed by the various enemies that rain bullets down upon you this is a nightmare this was literally a you know a controlling nightmare the top half of the screen is where the game is played and it, i said oh looks nice got smooth scrolling good use of color um but the bottom half of the screen is a really overcomplicated ui it's got thermometers mm. on the sides of it um then an over amount of info you've got your score high score the level you're on you've got bars for H2, O2, and PU, which I think is hydrogen, oxygen, and PU. Is that lead? PV, isn't it? Poo. (laughs) You got the poo bar. (laughs) (laughs) Don't overfill the poo bar. God's sake, no. Sometimes you need to empty it. (laughs) 
<laughs> potassium. What's PU? It's a chemical element for something. Uh, and then a final one for power. Um, you've got all this information at the bottom of here, and I don't know what any of it meant. Um, I think you can collect stuff to top these bars up. I don't know. If you get any to zero, I think you're dead. It don't know, because all I could all I could do is bounce. And I'm not supposed to be bouncing. I'm controlling a toad in a spaceship or something, I think, and, and trying to shoot stuff and navigate these worlds, but I can't. It feels incredibly overcomplicated and once again untested because it controls like a ping pong ball. Nobody wants a game that controls like a ping pong or a not ping pong ball, a, a power ball. It's like just lobbing a power. You ever lobbed a power ball around your house or something like you know, or around it somewhere with wood, you know, wooden <laughs> yeah, room. Once. And you just like that, and suddenly you end up, ah, my eye. Um yeah. that's what this felt like. Um, and we've seen a few games where the difficulty comes from bouncing off stuff, but this takes it to a whole new level. Um, also as well, and this is never a good thing, it reminded me of that Swamp Fever game and the way it was laid yeah. out and the way you went up yeah. and down. Um, yeah. But no matter how good this looked, I, and, you know, and I, I have a bit of a soft spot for some Carl Hornell stuff. He's done some interesting stuff like Fungus and things like that. But this, the controls on this, they just completely ruined it for me. I couldn't control it. I just could not no. control this damn thing. So it rendered the game, it got 83% somehow, but it even said in the review, it takes a while to get used to the controls now i'd say that's an understatement i gave this quite yeah. a bit of time because i was thinking maybe i can get used to it maybe and then I can, no no we can't it's just yeah. the same thing over and over bounce 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 dead bounce dead bounce bounce dead dead bed that that toad force was not for me how about you i like the graphic style of these games and um, i bought toad force way back in the day believe it or not on cassette did you I never it knew did, that. Yeah, I know, and that's how I know that it's got a um, a game as it loads. I think it's Micro Painter when you load it up. Oh, so right, it, okay. it was either Invade, it was either Invader Load or Micro Painter, but I think it was Micro Painter on this one. Um, anyway, I don't like games I can't control, and this was one of them. So I don't quite remember. I remember thinking the same thing way back when and thinking it looks nice that when it starts it's got a nice polish to the graphics and the look and feel the sort of way the sprites bobble about in the middle you got this sort of you know it's just it's yeah. quite nice um but like you said the main issue is obviously the controls because you just don't you're not really controlling anything you are just trying to apply some kind of reduction in speed and acceleration to something that is bouncing around like a crazy thing so it doesn't make a great deal of sense um so you can't really do much because you're just really you're not really playing the game and trying to navigate the nuances pu by the way is plutonium Plutonium, that's it. So that's obviously got something to do with it. I don't know. It's also, you've got an oxygen meter because you have to collect oxygen canisters. and But you're never going to do any of that because you're just pinging around all over the place. Um, so what's... What can you say about it other than there's no game to experience because you can't play it? Because even if you try and nudge the control slowly and try and navigate your way around, you, it doesn't work because you end up dead being shot. Bomb, you'll hit something and you'll bounce off and, and you're out of control within seconds. So other things you could like, I suppose you could like the way the graphics have been drawn. Um, and the the actual loading game itself was quite fun on the tape. <laughs> but um, I genuinely don't know why I bought it back in the day. And it's just on replay now, uncontrollable and what fun is there in that? So no, one ninety nine. It got eighty three percent. I know. Yeah, they they must be able to control things in ways that we can't because I don't get how they did that. But <laughs> maybe they're like Nestor or something. It took all five of them. <laughs> they all just lined up and went. Oh, yeah. And controlled it that way and well, some kind must of have mind power. better joysticks or I don't know I don't I, I don't know it all leads me to think that sometimes in some of these have they really played the games because the just scoring seems to be really arbitrary compared to you know, if you if they had have played this there's no way they could have given it 83% because you can't play it but no. I don't know there's no point in us criticizing it now all these years later but it just feels that feels to me like they haven't so no go. I think no, so I don't like it don't like games I can't play generally. no true well there you go that's the first lot of games that's <laughs> that's a that's a it's whole load of a, 
That's a that's a whole load of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um maybe the second half will be better. Maybe it will. Who knows? Who knows know. what's coming up? You never know. Um oh, Christ. Right. This this has been one of the most trying months of games. Yeah. We haven't had one of these for a while, have we? No, where every uh, every month, every sort of chunk is just oh God. It's a slog. What's going on in the C sixty four market? Terribleness. That's mm. what's going on. Um anyway, that's the end of the first part. We're gonna slink off and bounce around and imagine that we're being ruled by the alien queen um <laughs> for a little bit. We'll be uh we're gonna have a little break and then we'll be back where we'll be looking at uh film and TV in the UK from October nineteen eighty seven. So uh hopefully that'll be better. But please stick around. Massive Sunday roast dinners and Yorkshire puddings to our wonderful show sponsor, DavidHerdenWriter.com, where you will find a whole load of brilliant audiobooks, bargain books, ebooks, and more. David's latest amazing book, Escape from the Commodore 64, is available right now. In fact, let's go and have a sneaky listen. It would be rude not to. Abruptly, she was a fly on the wall once more. The warlord knew she was here, the baleful, melodramatic music telling her as much. A guard ran in to meet him. He outstretched his arm and pointed. The guard bowed and left at once, no doubt to try to stop her. Sarah's breaths quickened as she returned to her running stance and made haste. She continued running, wishing she was this fluid in real life. Somehow, she could see the guard running towards her even before he came into a direct field of vision. This helped Sarah prepare, giving her ample notice to switch back to the fighting stance. Another fight ensued. This guy was superior to the last, but Sarah found a patient approach did the trick. This time, she kicked him to his virtual demise. Now that is a spicy meatball. Escape from the Commodore 64 is available right now. Don't listen to me yakking. Head to davidhernwriter.com to find out more. And we're back. We are back and we're into film and TV. October 1987. What was going on? Let's get straight in on this. Graham, on 11th of October, there was a new children's strand, Now On 2, was launched on Sunday mornings uh, on BBC Two, if you couldn't guess, and it broadcast during the <laughs> Open University off-season. Consequently, Sunday CFAX transmissions all but end. Although on Saturdays, CFAX continued to air throughout the morning, generally until around midday. I love these just on it'll finish at some point yeah we don't know someone turn the c-fax off it can't be turned off it's it's gone it's gone like um sky (laughs) skynet it's become like vija it's it's become self-aware and it's selling holidays to wherever it likes (laughs) what would it be it's the most boring version of the terminator is it actually going to endanger anybody this 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 alert aware self-aware c-fax not really it just it just seems to be obsessed with Cheap holidays <laughs> and weather and weather <laughs> and jobs. It's, it's just seems to jobs. It's making malici- them up. It's maliciously generating jobs. Well, <laughs> okay. As long as it's not trying to control space satellites, we're all good. Yeah. The other interesting thing I noticed in this was though it was broadcast during the Open University off season. It's not they ever seasons. <laughs> seasons of Open University. <laughs> just, I suppose you know during term time, I guess. But it's just weird that the open, open university, university. You remember the open university stuff when it was on? Yeah, did you ever catch any of that? I, I remember the. That was it. Weird discordant trumpet went. 
heard the logo change. Like, oh, that shrill trumpet sent the shiver down his spine. That'd be, no, there'd be a professor, you know, whatever, talking about some weird formulae or something. And if we put, yeah, there'd be always like hardcore maths. Yeah, if you drop this pill inside of this this beaker, then you'll notice there's a reaction. There it is. There's the reaction. It's just like, oh God, three point two times we measured this. And the length of the stone, and you're like, oh, what is this nonsense now? <laughs> don't know, but you only have to, uh, you only have to endure that during the seasons. <laughs> the seasons. I what really do they do when they're off season? Well, I, know, I, I really liked what happened at the end of season three. I thought that's where it really peaked for me. <laughs> yeah, they have season finales where they leave, leave, <laughs> leave, it, leave it on a cliffhanger. We, we know what's happened to Newton. Well, we'll find out next season. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, then we <laughs> drop this one in the beaker and, well, we'll tell you at the start of season four. Do you know, it's funny. I remember way, way back, um, I remember being ill and off. I don't know if I was ill and off school, but I'd been, I'd been ill and off school for a while. And so, it just, you know, when illnesses were lasted longer than the school week and you were, they enter your weekend, it was a very serious matter at that point. Yeah. And I remember sitting and just t- watching something about gearing. <laughs> on on oh, a, a gearing and cars like our cars and oh. t- gears and transmissions and stuff like that and just sat in this kind of sweaty <laughs> i think about like measles at the time or something but sweaty you know sort of horrible situation and this is program going oh, the thing with car gears is if you put the 6.2 to the t point thinking why am I, why put something good on and just, just a fond memory i have of uh of that. sounds very fond <laughs> <laughs> Might have had salmonella, I think. I can't. Remember. I was quite ill with something, and that was you know. I, but funnily enough, I remembered all about gearing, so that's how it clearly worked. <laughs> it, yeah, absolutely. In your fevered state, yes, you exactly. Have, uh, even vibe knowledge, and that knowledge came back in a very useful way. Never so well. Maybe it would have come back if you'd have gone um, on our next show. Because <laughs> um, on the twelfth of October, BBC One debuted "Going for Gold." Going for gold. The heat yeah, is on. This was a- <laughs> The, the, time the time is right. Is right. The time the do, for you for you to play the game. <laughs> yeah. This is a general knowledge quiz presented by Henry Kelly, um, yes. who we previously seen on Game for a Laugh. He was the he was the jolly Irish one. He was. Um, in which contestants from fourteen different European countries compete to become the series champion. The winner of the first series, Daphne Hudson, who later became Daphne Fowler, just so for, for accuracy's sake, <laughs> receives ringside tickets at the 1988 Summer Olympics cool. in Seoul and goes on to become a film familiar face on television after appearing in a number of other quizzes, including 15 to 1 and Eggheads. You can't just go around quizzing your way through the world. Get a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daf- Daphne <laughs> Fowler, nay Hudson, did. <laughs> you bloody winner. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Obviously, she's very clever. Obviously, she was off ill watching Open University a lot. She when must she have been, younger. exactly, it's the reason she's an egghead. But 15 to 1 was always a misnomer for me. If it ain't a battle with battleths, um, <laughs> with 15 people start Royal Rumble style and it just works the way down, there can be only one. You know, It's like a Highlander go- game show, that, but no, it ain't. Just people in a circle and they're asking questions and that. It is, yeah. Um, um, do you never saw the end of the show? No, what, going for no. Gold? I saw so many, every now and again, you'd be, find yourself watching TV at the time it was on and it would come on. And, yeah. and that's how come I know the music. The heat is on, the time is right. And I remember watching it and thinking, oh, this is quite good. Never, ever seeing anyone win. It just went on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. <laughs> so each time I'd watch it, there'd be different contestants. They were from all over the world. All over, was it the world or Europe? But they it were was from, Europe, 14 different European yeah, countries. Yeah, yeah. So, so they were from, but, you know, it'd be like you know, the German contestant to win. And the next time you saw it, it, it wouldn't be him because I think the person who won it came back, didn't they, the next next one? Um, I can't remember. Like but I honestly even if, can't. It, even if it wasn't that and there was heat, so, you know, it led to some finale. I never, there was, it, does that exist? Is there evidence of a finale? Know. 
Do we know that Daphne Hudson or Daphne Fowler, as she became known, was a real thing? <laughs> Maybe she was created by facts. I just wondered if it was actually a test on us. No, they're just, you know, how, how, often, how long could we get this game show to go on for without anyone realising that it's never ending? Nobody <laughs> wins. They didn't Would even you- tell Henry Kelly. I mean, it's true. He's, it, he's still asking questions in a studio somewhere. It is in the title. The title. They're going for gold. They're never going to get it. <laughs> uh. He thought he was signing up for a trip up the Yukon. <laughs> yes. Fifteenth uh, of October. During a weather forecast, BBC meteorologist Michael Fish reports earlier on today. Apparently, a woman rang the BBC and said she had heard there was a hurricane on the way. Well, if you're watching, don't worry, there isn't. But having said that, actually the weather will become very windy. Most of the strong winds, incidentally, will be down over Spain and across into France. Hours later, Britain is hit by the worst storm for 284 years. Fish later drew criticism for the comments, but has since claimed they referred to Florida, USA, and were linked to a news story immediately preceding the weather bulletin, but had been so widely repeated out of context that the British public remains convinced that he was referring to the approaching storm. How interesting. Hmm. Do we believe him? Not sure, especially if he says the words Spain and France. I'm not sure how that relates to Florida. But... No, I don't either. Which part of uh, Florida is Spain in? <laughs> oh, it's the Spanish bit. Yeah, this, this... <laughs> and, and France. Which yeah, uh, yeah. Where's, in relation to France? Can you point to Florida on a map? Yeah, and, I'm, and now I'm exceedingly worried about your credentials. You, you are actually <laughs> qualified at this, aren't you? <laughs> I'm a weatherman. I remember my mum I mean, said I could be a weatherman. I mean that 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 particular um, weather forecast has been repeated on so many of the you know it happened in the 80s shows kind of thing. Yeah. You no, know, and it's like you know, uh, and I remember remember at the time thinking, you know, don't get that wrong, you know. But as we all know, you know, when we woke up the next day and we found out, uh, you know, we we all woke up in bloody the land of Oz around here. <laughs> You know, not Australia either. You know the, the yellow brick road the version. Real Oz. Yeah, the real Oz with the Munchkins and the Lullaby League and all the crazy. You know, it's where all the little people live and and the witches and everything. Yes, 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 yes. yes they were there too. Yes, they were. But yeah. I did like the shoes, the shoes and the curtains. Yeah, but just don't pay any attention to anyone behind them. Yeah. <laughs> I often don't. If I see someone stood behind my curtains, I pay them no heed. Do you know? I, I'm I wa- wondering why someone is in my front room and behind my curtains. <laughs> you know, I watched The Wizard of Oz again recently because there's been a, I think, a brand new remastered version of it came out. I think on Blu-ray, and for some reason, I felt compelled to watch it again. And there is some amazing stuff in that, considering how old it is. It's, it's, it's yeah, worth. It is. It's quite amazing. It's also stupid, and she's clearly whacked off her gourd on speed. <laughs> so, which is quite interesting. You know, she's pie-eyed throughout that whole thing. It's a. At what point, she, her eyes go so wide, it honestly looks like someone's drawn them on. But um, we've just drawn massive white circles with a tiny dot in like, wow, okay. <laughs> we don't need that's studio happen- lights. <laughs> that's what happens when you remaster something that didn't, yeah. shouldn't be remastered. Well, they polished her eyeballs, a bit like they do in, um, in <laughs> Toy Story 2 when they clean Woody's eyes. <laughs> or like Homer does with his head on the uh, on the yeah. ball of shine. Yes. <laughs> Homer, you shine your head forehead in the ball of shine. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yes, yes, yes. It was a tragedy, really. Lots of lots of crazy stuff happened. So. There was fences fell over, trees, trees were uprooted, rooted, yeah. cars flipped did someone, over. Did someone die? Loads probably. of people. Yeah, quite. It's quite a lot of. It's one of the most serious <sighs> UK storm incidents. Yeah. Now we get them every other do, day, so we're kind of used to it. I do like the way in that um, in that write up though that he's written that Fish later drew criticism because I can't help think it was the uh, lead singer from Marillion that gave it, that gave <laughs> well, the. Uh... Well, he shouldn't have been giving people weather <laughs> forecasts in the first place, should he? He's not. He's out he of his said it... knowledge base. <laughs> Absolutely, all he did he said it was a good day for a Kaylee. Hey, <laughs> do you remember? That's how he starts his weather forecasts. 
No, don't. Get off. Get out. remember, dilly dilly? Get your hair cut. <laughs> you bloody tramp. <laughs> you bloody scruffy, stinking tramp. Uh, 16th of October. As a result of the Great Storm of 1987, <laughs> it was quickly named that. I love that. A day later, it was called the Great Storm of 1987. <laughs> yeah. um, electrical power to TVAM studio is lost. Oh, no. And an emergency program has to be transmitted from facilities at M's Television's Houston Road Center using reports from TVAM's own crews and those of ITN to TV Southwest and TVS, TV oh, South. Right. The BBC's Breakfast Time which would usually come from Lime Grove, and was unable to broadcast as the studios were without power, as was most of BBC Television Centre at Wood Lane. The early part of the programme was broadcast from the continuity suite at a TV centre, usually used for children's BBC presentation, as this area had generator support before a larger studio was able to be brought into use. So desperate were they to get that programme out that they just, you know, has anywhere got power? For God's sake, we've got to get this programme out. The thought is, though, why would a children's BBC centre have its own... <laughs> uh, you know, generator. Its own power supply. More importantly, why would nobody would? I mean, I suppose people they might be thinking that people want to see the updates for the news because of the storm. Most people's areas have been blown to bloody Spain by now, so nobody could tune in anyway. Like, what? I think you mean, do you mean Spain, Florida? <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's exactly well, exactly, exactly Spain, Florida. But that's what I mean. You know, you know, you woke up, your cars in next door's garden upside down, your trees have all been turned upside down, and you're lucky if the roof of your house hasn't been blown off. And they're going, we've got to get people watching TV. It's important. Like, yeah, last that's the last thing I'm thinking of right now. You idiots. <laughs> Yeah, true. Because at that time, yeah, it was transmitted over the uh, over the antennas, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah, we, it was needed the a, we needed you know, an antenna. Yeah, yeah. So, so nobody yeah. was watching it. I don't know why they were bothered. Could you put anything on? Yes. Oh, well. I remember it being windy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was quite windy. It's quite windy. <laughs> oh, what went on? New shows, though. New 4th shows. Of October. On 4th of October, we had Wurzel Gummidge Down Under. Yeah. It was a New Zealand British television series adapted from the books written by Barbara Euphan Todd and the British fantasy series television program produced and broadcast in the UK named Wurzel Gummidge, starred John Pertwee. The story continued in New Zealand when Aunt Sally was sold to a museum owner. Do you right. remember this? No, I there don't. There two seasons God. of it. I don't remember it at all. Did it have John Pertwee in this one as well then? Yeah, yeah. No, yes. I don't remember it. I don't, I don't like Wurzel Gummidge. I don't like it because I don't like the crow man. I don't like him. And I don't like the fact that they had an army of bloody evil, um, evil people. They're ev- evil, what do you call them? <laughs> what are they called? Um, what are what called? What, what scarecrows. Is, scarecrows. He had an, that, the, 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 the crow man had an army of scarecrows and they periodically would roll circle round Wurzel Gummidge and pull his head off. And he had multiple yeah. heads. It was just, it was freaky parts to that whole thing. I don't like it. I don't like it, but no. No, I didn't like it either. Some people like but, it. So I didn't remember that show at all. Completely missed me. No, I mean, if we've got any of our uh, New Zealand listeners or yeah, people from the other side of the world, if you I could mean, let us know. I mean, Wurzel Gummidge was popular in the UK in the early eighties, so nineteen eighty eighty one, wasn't it? Way um, before any I think of that. So, yeah, yeah. Certainly wasn't. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember watching it when I lived in in a different house when I was younger, and that was we didn't move to nineteen eighty three, so it was all before that. So it was way suddenly they must have just discovered him and thought, oh. I know what'll be funny. That's, you know, put well, Wurzel Gummidge in, in in Australia or New Zealand. Well, there was twenty two episodes made. Yeah, well, it'd be the same stuff, wouldn't it? You know, you know, I don't quite. Um, I can't even remember much about what happened in that. Apart from he was dead scared of fire, obviously. <laughs> That's all I remember. His a, his Achilles heel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, his, his was Achilles entire body. Since <laughs> he's made true. of straw. <laughs> Oh, change your head now, Scarecrow. Yeah, put your flame-proof head on. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, he had clever head and everything. I never liked Wurzel Gump. I always found no. it a bit freaky. Yeah, exactly. It is freaky. And if you look back on the new ones on YouTube, it's very freaky to this day. Yeah, I don't like the fact he could just ch- change his head. No, and the way he did it as well. Just pulled his head off. Yeah, no. it's unpleasant. Unpleasant. No. Uh, 5th of October, uh, we had Star Wars Ewoks. We did. Um, Ewoks, also known as Star Wars. It's an animated television series featuring the Ewok characters mm. uh, introduced in Return of the Jedi. And they were further discovered in Caravan of Courage, an Ewok adventure, and its sequel, Ewoks: The Battle for Endor. Mm. There you go. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, this was uh, was based. It was part of. Uh, we had a sister series, Droids. Yeah. Um, it was part of the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour. Yeah. And then by itself, as the all new Ewoks. Yeah. <laughs> with the new originals. I know it's it's gone. It's the Ewok <laughs> version of Spinal Tap. <laughs> And actually, then we came back as the Thames men. It's <laughs> <laughs> the Thames Ewoks. Um, interestingly, though, or maybe not, the penultimate episode, Battle for the Sun Star, which would re-aired as the series finale, actually, I don't understand, shows the Ewok heroes leaving the forest moon's surface when they go on board an Imperial Star Destroyer that has travelled to their system. An Imperial scientist attempts to destroy the Emperor, whose shuttle makes an appearance. The episode has been noted as forming a link with Return of the Jedi, which features the Empire using Endor as its base of operations for the second Death Star. So it became canon and linked this cartoon to Return of the yeah, Jedi. Yeah. Of course it did. There you go. That's how they did it, yeah. I don't know if it's been rendered, um, you know, non-canon these days by Disney. Who just no, went, no, nothing, yeah. nothing is canon. Nothing is canon. I don't like the Ewoks. No one does. No one does. don't like them. I, I mean, pre- when the special effects rehash version came out, you could see the little zip up zips at the back of the costumes, couldn't you? I liked it when that like then a couple of people got blasted in that explosion in Jedi with by that that scout walker, and then yes. he just like he rolls his mate over, and he's like, I did it, I did it. Oh, oh. Like, yes, yeah. I remember <laughs> shouting that in the uh, cinema at the time. Yeah, I mean, let's Un- not forget unpopular. the Ewoks were were you know they were going to eat people. Yeah, they, they, you they, know, with their, with their little fangy teeth. Exactly. You know, they made a right mess. And I don't buy this. They climbed on board an Imperial um, Star Destroyer because they wouldn't have any concept of what that was. These guys were basically you know, living in the trees, eating beetles and bloody making <laughs> fire was new to them. So yep. climbing, climbing on board the complex technical masterpiece of the Imperial Star Destroyer would be overwhelming for them. They prayed to a <laughs> golden robot that thought it was a god. <laughs> that you is know, true. There's no way that that's nowhere that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise for <laughs> Graham going all sci-fi nerds, like Star Wars nerd. <laughs> I don't accept it. It's not hashtag not my Star Wars. <laughs> I don't like Ewoks. I don't like the idea that they, they, they're principally technologically savvy, but mask that by hiding in the trees and trying to cook people. Well, Sorry, one, could no. fly a, one could fly a speeder bike. No, he didn't. He just he pressed the wrong button, if you remember, and it just took off. There was no control. So, they, so- they, they, their weapons were sticks and rocks against harsh <laughs> laser power. Well, maybe that goes from the classic Einstein quote about, you know, they'd had World War Three and destroyed themselves. So maybe they're True, technologically very advanced. Possibly. World and of War course, we fought with you know, sticks Maybe and the, the caravan of coverage was actually a caravan full of technological advancements. Maybe it was, but, you know. I don't care because I just wanted to see him mushed. <laughs> I just wanted to see him blown up Get and destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I never liked him. No. I mean, they made drums out of stormtroopers' heads. Exactly. They're savages. Evil, evil things. Micro savages. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That sounds like a 1980s uh, computer program. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Micro Savages, where we will be printing out a quite a long program on this dot matrix printer. <laughs> and I'll tell you Night what is about- funny oh, with that, on. sorry. And go I said there's a final thought. What is a bit odd 
is that the um, the version of the original version of Jedi at the end when they're all singing their you know their da da they have a little chanty song, don't they? Yeah, the proper the ch- tune before they yeah. changed it. Change it to the panpipes moods version later on, where they just suddenly become experts at panpipes, which perhaps does fit in with them. You know, they just become all Incan. No, anyway, I, I, no. I hate that. I hate that. What they did. I don't like any of those. Days. Days. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. Where they put Hayden that, Christensen in, didn't they? And no, 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 no. Awful, awful. No. Ninth no. of October, sport on Friday started. This ran for ten years. Goodness the me. BBC Television Sports Program. There you go. And it was a comp- <laughs> companion show to both Sports Night and Grandstand. Right. Um, it would usually show some live, t- some live uh, snooker or racing or something like that. Mm. Um, and it was basically just stuff that was going on. It'd be on from about half two till sort of four o'clock ish. And it was originally presented by David Icke. Of course, it was. Yeah, before he went until uh, he was re- until he was wild. replaced by Helen Rollison in nineteen ninety, which yeah. I think is around about the time he uh, got on his lizard bandwagon, wasn't it? Well, he became very interested in the Illuminati. <laughs> Um, yeah, very. So, that's uh, yeah. That's, it's, uh, an, it's an understatement, really. You know, but um, I've actually I've actually been to a David Icke talk, believe it or not, because I was very curious. It was when I was at uni- first year of university, came to Derby, and he delivered a talk in the warehouse, which was a nightclub, um, right? And he came and did a talk to about there was about hundred people there very early on. So we're going back to nineteen ninety whatever that ninety four ninety five ninety four ninety four five. Um, and so, yeah, so I actually, I've seen him deliver his speech. And even at that, he wasn't so much talking about lizards at that point. It was just about one world currencies. And, you know, it was all very conspiracy theory stuff. Quite fascinating in its own crazy way, I suppose. Yeah, but even then, he'd got the reputation because he'd appeared, I think, on a couple of TV shows, hadn't he? It was, was the famous Wogan one. Yeah, wasn't and it? the Wogan interview where, you know, Wogan was subtly taking the mickey out of him all the way through and he just didn't see it, either didn't see it or didn't want to be part of that. But either way, yeah. Yeah. now, of course, he's, you know, the internet's his uh, oyster now, isn't it? So. Yes, yeah, he's he's not even close to the uh, <laughs> the edge of what people do on the internet, I guess. No, no, not anymore. No. 12th of October, Runway, a British game show. There you go. Don't remember much about um, that at all. Uh, I do remember it. It had a had a series of um, its board was laid out like a runway, like an airplane runway. Oh, yeah. uh, this is most famous because it was uh, presented by Richard Maidley. There you go. Okay, I remember, I remember Chris Sell, of course. I remember him from thingy. Uh, Who's Chris Searle? He was the guy that was in. Um, oh yeah, I remember him. Yes, uh, take not take that. He wasn't in take that. Was... <laughs> be <a> very different. <laughs> very different. Uh... Was it called? Um, it, that's life. I think he did. He was yes. one of them. In that yeah, he did. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, so but Chris Searle's really nothing to do with take that. Uh, <laughs> he's not. Eighteenth <laughs> uh, of October, we had the Charmer. Yeah. Uh, do you remember this? No, but I remember as soon as I read the name Nigel Havers, I was like, oh, of course. It, you know, yeah. Yeah. So it's going to have names. He was in all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's based on a book. It's a nineteen sort of nineteen fifties. He's a charmer who he's a charmer con man. Yeah, who charms women out of their money, and it's that sort of thing. I don't know whether it was liked or not. More importantly, though, 29th of October, um, around the world with Willie Fogg. It begins. It begins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's quite old though because it started in 1983, um, which in Spain, I think it was. Yeah. It took a few years to get here, sort of thing. But there you go, Willie Fogg. I mean, everyone remembers this for the, the title tune, don't they? We do. Yes, they yeah. very much do. Yeah. Eighty, 80 days, days around, around the world. The world. Yeah. Yeah. Fog. Um, I'm the one who made the bet. Don't all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you like? Did you have time for 
Willie Fogg at the time? I liked all of these cartoons. Um, this was one of the ones I, I wouldn't say I liked it as much. I preferred Dog Tanyon and Cities of Gold and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But I did like Around the World with Willie Fogg. I liked the title music. Everyone likes the title music for that. It was harmless yeah. enough fun. It was a bit weird in places um, because, you know, there was the character, some of the, it was very much of what it was, you know, and, and the characters were, you know, there was very clear delineations between good and even all that. But it was one of the first times, one of the first times where the BBC, I think he was showing this, bought the entire series. So they bought mm. all 26 episodes, I think there was, and showed them all, which generally speaking, hadn't happened a lot because more often than not they only ever bought some of the episodes when they were syndicated (laughs) so you'd never actually see the entire series and Ulysses 31 is a good example of that but it was all right the entire series is on YouTube so you can watch them all if you want you could do sure that'll be in the show notes if our listeners wish to go over yeah yeah the entire and do watch the last episode because it's you know people often forget what happens in the very last episode I'm not going to spoil it for you because there's 26 things to get to before you get there but it is it is the fall it's, it's eight around the world in 80 days so you know if you yeah, if you know what exactly. happens in that you know what's gonna happen yeah uh finally 30th of october dispatches started and it's still going that program yeah very very in-depth yeah stuff, isn't current it? affairs documentary program on channel four um covers issues about british society politics health religion uh current affairs environment and would often feature a mole inside organization under journalistic investigation yes absolutely yeah. and in-depth stuff and exposés and that kind of thing still do yeah didn't that uh, didn't dispatches do the um oh was it the mike ashley factory yeah there's, 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 there's some really dispatches. famous dispatches exposés aren't there if you look at the yeah i didn't dig in too far into it but if you look into the wiki entry for that there's, there's some very famous dispatches out there where they really expose yeah. some some stuff there is, and it's still going. Uh, let's move on to film. Um, big lot of films this month. Big lot of films. Fifth um, of October, Fatal Attraction. Ah, uh, yes, good old Fatal yeah. Attraction. Yeah. What do we say about Fatal Attraction? I can tell you. Did you go to the cinema to see this? Because no, I, did. I didn't. No, I didn't. Um, not, I remember my brother. Well, I think I remember my brother took me to see this. Um, it was. I felt it was an awkward viewing. It would be, yeah. <laughs> watching saucy yeah watching you know glenn close and and michael douglas getting a bit saucy on the on the sink do a bit on that um yeah so it's a bit bit weird um and and i think yeah i thought it was okay it was a bit kind of strange i was like oh it's kind of okay i think but i I don't think i was i was 15 so i think i was a bit not quite mature enough to understand Mm. the full ramifications of this film um yeah, so it's based on the 1980 short film Diversion, um, it was because it was written by James Durden, um, Michael Douglas, Glenn Close, and Anne Archer. And it's, everyone knows what it is. Michael Douglas, Glenn Close have a brief affair while Anne Archer is away. Glenn Close cannot handle it. And yep. it starts to go crazy on him. Yeah, and then becomes obsessed with him, and things go from bad to worse from there and all ends up and as you've rightly noted gave the phrase bunny boiler to the world because it I had did. the the scene where she kills the bunny and leaves it in a pot she does um, on on their stove um it's quite it's quite well cut together that scene mm. with the little it's, girl it's, it's a good to, film it is a good film yeah i can appreciate it now yeah <laughs> um yeah. but yeah but it was a massive hit huge, yeah, huge i think that's why we went to see it because it was just everybody everybody was talking about this yeah um it was huge um, 320 million it grossed off a, off a 14 million budget. That's good. That's a good turnaround, that. Yeah. And it got nominated for six awards. Um, it is a good film, but it's just, it's one of those things that kind of happened and sort of sparked a debate, maybe. I don't know. It was one of those things. Yeah, it started to sort of, there was, because a few films came out similar, didn't they, where there was an obsessed 
woman. Um, yeah, I mean, Rebecca Demone isn't there as well, where she's obsessed with uh, Hand that rocks the cradle. Yeah, yeah, that sort of idea, I, I think. And it also was kind of part of that early sort of steamy Hollywood, yeah, should we say, yes. which would lead to things like Basic Instinct, yes. Sliver, yes, uh, Showgirls, I guess. Yeah. Oh God, Showgirls, so shit. <laughs> yeah, it does. It did. Unfortunately. But that that sort, you know, the Joe Hester house would would line yes. his pockets with uh, steamy, steamy, steamy yeah. money. Yeah, and Adrian Lynn did a few of them, didn't he? He did a couple of those, and yeah, they did make a I bit of money. I think on. so. Yeah. yeah. But th- yeah, so it, I don't know whether this was the start. There's probably others before this because you got. I think there was what was that other one? Nine and a half weeks. Nine and a half weeks is the one I was trying to think of. Yeah, with them. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was all all this kind of like how how far can we push sex on screen? Yes. You know, lots of questions. And what was that crappy Bruce Willis one? Oh, that came out um, way later than them. But it's same sort color, of thing. Isn't it? Color of night. Color of night. That was it. Yeah, it's, yeah. that's what I mean. It, it, there was a whole slew of these. So bad that film. And there was the crappy uh, body of evidence. Oh, that was another one. <laughs> that's that, that, looking into this genre. They're all kind of crap. <laughs> they were they were just basically just thrillers just yeah. uh, jade was another one i think yeah oh jade yeah uh, that was that came out in the sort of uh late 90s didn't it jade it's just yeah. they were early t and a movies weren't they and yes you know, and, and there was because they were a bit hit- racier than usual and they were a bit more graphic people sat in there oh my god let's go see that yeah and then there was loads of cheap versions that hit the hit video oh god the straight to video oh, versions you- some of these all usually starring fatally um, attractive would be one of them, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, usually starring someone from Twin Peaks. Yeah, the, video yeah, one. Sherilyn Shannon, Fenn Shannon was Bell, in a lot of them. Sherilyn Fenn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh god, there's loads of those, loads of them. Yeah. And, in uh, fact, and I had a fr- what, what, we had a friend who shall remain nameless. Um, we had a friend who, who was obsessed with those. He had loads of them. <laughs> yeah, loads. He did. Absolutely loads well, of I them. Can't, I can't put my finger on why. No, I can't. I, rem- I just remember him. Um, bringing a couple of them round one time and I can't remember it was it was Matilda May was in one of them and she was in that woman out of um, that sci-fi movie with the space vampires and, and there was only one oh, reason uh, he, Life Force yeah she, it was Matilda May out of Life Force and it was her with her boobs out and he's like yeah, that was this is the only reason you even know that film exists and he's like yeah that's <laughs> yeah. true he was right you're right so yeah. <laughs> he was very honest he was honest about it in all he was seedy but honest was seedy but honest but he was always made going into his bedroom and sitting in his bedroom <laughs> chatting to him awkward you know. <laughs> <laughs> with all the uh, stiff socks oh the stiff socks and the, the dust oh the <laughs> the bed dust it's like now nah, i don't know what that is but it's it's not dust that's that's crust um, i don't don't breathe it in don't breathe that in for christ's sake <laughs> breathe through your nose Just, you, breathe. Put a, you need a mask or something you're gonna, you're gonna have you're gonna, you're gonna end up with sort of you know throat nodules and not good ones <laughs> yeah. so that's how he breathes <laughs> through his throat now, Jules. Yeah, no, through yours. <laughs> it impregnates, <laughs> impregnates you with his bed dust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all that time I always wondered what I was doing. I always come out of the house with a dirty cough. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> dirty cough? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cough, yes. Yes. Be careful. Be careful, careful. there. Very careful. careful. <laughs> um, 16th of October, uh, Dirty dancing. Yeah. Um, I'll just put my comment. I've only ever watched this once. I didn't like it, and I'm never going to watch it again. Yeah, something tells me it's not up your street. It's really not. It's really not. But, Uh, you know, I can dig Footloose and stuff like that, but this, no. It's all right, dirty dancing. It's all right. Um, It's odd because of the silly things in it. Like Obviously, it's Ferris Bueller's sister in it, isn't it? She plays um, baby baby in that, and lots of rotational hips, lots of Rasta split dancing in that. It's also the other woman he dances with is the female cop from the film Runaway. 
but with all of her body fat sucked out through some kind of device. So she's as perilously thin as can be. So I wonder that a rotation yeah. snapper like a twig. Um, <laughs> but I suppose it's a classic. Put oh, Patrick Swayze in the map, maybe. Or was it Ghost or Ra- Roadhouse? That, I don't know. One of them did. Um, uh, I think it was a triple triple treat. Yeah, I watched probably. a documentary about him and he was a really genuinely kind and funny guy. Apart from if you tried to mess about in his bar and his or his club, where then he would smash your head in uh, without, a, he without a moment's hesitation. But other than he that, would. lovely, a really lovely guy. And of course, he's in that <laughs> famous um, Danny Darko, isn't he? He's really good where in he's that not as well. Partic- where he's not particularly lovely. No, he's not a nice guy in that, but he's he's just completely, he's just good, he's good in it. And it's not a role you would ever have expected him to play. I quite like, quite admired him for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you missed one out there, which probably as well was one of his biggest as well, which is Point Break. Yeah, I completely forgot Point Break. Yeah, that, that's another one that put him on the sort of man map, didn't it? As opposed to the girl map. <laughs> the man map. Oh well, yeah, because all the girls dig, we're into him because of Ghost and Dirty Dancing and probably Roadhouse, you know, had its fair share of, you know, froth. And then, um, you know... <laughs> That point break came out, and it's all dudes and surfers and bank robbers, and you know, you know, all that. And so, yeah, you know, and put him on, chi- put him, put him on the, he got a few more cool points, I think, for that. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, teamed up with uh, Mr. Keanu, did he? Yes, of course. Yeah, he's got Keanu Reeves in that as well, and, and Gary Busey. Or is it Gary uh, Busey? Is it Gary Busey? I think it's Gary Busey. Yeah, yeah I think he's yes, in yeah, because yeah. he's in Big Wednesday, isn't he? I think originally. It's what, Gary Busey. Yeah, yeah, Predator yeah. Two. Yeah, yeah, the lions, the tigers, the bears. Oh my, yeah, that one, yeah. Yeah, Freaky guy. he's great. Big in teeth. I, w- I watched that recently. That's a strange, strange film. It's, it's a really we will get. Film. Uh, hopefully, we will get to Predator Two oh, in some covering point we will. this. Yeah, it is a um, weird old thing. That's very strange. Um, candy. <laughs> yeah, it's very odd. Stupid. Um, also, on sixteenth of October, if you didn't fancy a bit of dirty dancing, you could go and watch Beverly Hills Cop Two. Mm. Um, so another Tony Scott film, um, and this is another Eddie, the Eddie Murphy sequel. Eddie Murphy was still riding high on the wake of everything and nothing he could do. Yeah, he was you know, he, he was did, the man of the moment there, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, this made two hundred seventy six point five million. Not quite as much as the first film, but still a hefty chunk of change. Yeah, just a bit. Um, it was also nominated for a best original song. This Bob Sega's Shakedown. Okay. And did you ever listen to it? Uh, yes, oh, the one with all the stabby trumpets. Yeah. It's got stabby trumpets and stabby yeah. keyboards. Yeah, some orchestral hits in there as well. Damn, yeah. lots of that. Yeah, it's yeah, totally but of, it's, of its time. Goodness, it massively is. It's like a. I reckon Kenny Loggins passed on that. <laughs> he went no. <laughs> Kenny it's Loggins, too, it's too much he say no. Me. It's like the, the Loggins <laughs> man. He says no. The juice man from Del Monte. <laughs> the man from the man from Ke- the Kenny Loggins. He say no. He say no. Give it to Bob Sager. <laughs> he's like Sager. Oh, he's like the Mexican. He's like the Mexican off-brand version. <laughs> Bob Sager. <laughs> now that would be funny if he if he, every time he walked did, did a uh, concert he did that. You know that joke's on uh, him for years. He's probably he be, probably thinks no. Stop saying it now. Come on. To be this good, take Sager. It's <laughs> the name of his first album. Do you know, I, I never got on board with the old uh, Beverly Hills movies, generally. Beverly Hills no. pop movies. No, I don't know why. I like the like, first two. I like the third one. In, I think they've all got funny scenes the in The third one's the one that people hate and don't rate, isn't it? Yeah, because it's stupid. But parts of the stupidity of it with the big giant fart in the swamp thing. In it, or is that, am I thinking of another different film? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I don't um, remember that bit in Beverly Hills I'm Cop wondering 3, if I'm getting, because it, it's Beverly Hills Cop 3 and they sort of head towards and it, the same kind of vibe that you get with them. Um, that Schwarzenegger movie where he plays the cop and it's in Los Angeles um, and uh, Last Action Hero there's, a, there's, <laughs> okay. sort of, there's sort of weird crossovers between them in some ways well I think the thing with Beverly Hills Cop 3 is that Landis didn't want to make it I think there was a big falling out 
with yeah. quite a few people. Landis didn't want to make it. I don't think there was a. He got dragged in. There was no. I think the script was a mess and everything like that. But Belial's cop mm-hmm. two though was just a more but more Belial's cop. Like how can we get yeah. him back? How can we get the team back on board? I also think Belial's cop three doesn't have uh, Taggart John Ashton possibly I think, I think it might only it. have Judge Reinhold I think I yeah. think and one of them is missing and it was essentially oh let's just try and get the gang back but they're not it's I a poor man it's a knockoff the first three. one um, scenes in the first one the banana up the tailpipe and all that and Eddie Murphy's yeah, funnier first- in the first one yeah, the first one's great. Like, go in, and it was also a the, the the first one is you know a comment on you know the black guy in Hollywood, um, like when he goes into the hotel and everything mm. and, and gets all that. The second one is kind of more of the same, but the third one's a push too far. You could take all right, we'll have more of that, but you could see that people you know yeah. it didn't earn as much, so people were a bit fed up with it. But yeah, I, I think Billy Scott Two is good. It's not yeah, as good as the first terrible. one. It's, Tony, it's, it's, it's a Tony Scott movie. He never does that bad of movies generally. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, Domino. I quite like that, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. A mess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Um, but yeah, Mr. Murphy could do no wrong, as you've rightly started, and it started to go wrong. And then they stopped coming for the sea greens <laughs> and, and the, the proteins, proteins and the plankton. Yeah, some of his films aren't very good now, <laughs> goodness. No, no, not much. He's not. Although I, I forgive him because he you no know, voice of donkey, so he is the voice of donkey, yes. Yep, and but he also I, did Vampire right. in Brucklin. Yeah, voice donkey. That's I remember him for that. <laughs> for and his stand-up routines are brilliant. Eddie's stand-up routines, Delirium, and a couple of those others that he did. They really are good. You know, brilliant yeah. stand-up comedy back then. Twenty third of October, The Witches of Eastwick. Mm. Do you like The Witches of Eastwick? I do, actually. Yeah, I do. I'm, yeah. A, I'm a big fan of um, Jack Nicholson in that. I think that's one of my favorite favorite performances of his performances of his in a film. Mm. I really like him in that. Um, uh, it was originally going to be given to Bill Murray that role. Yeah, can you imagine? It might have worked in kind of way. I think he, it, I think he would have worked. It would, yeah, in the way that he does that dark, sardonic character that he probably played in Scrooge. If he did it kind of like that, maybe to go away with it. Yeah. So I can um, see that. Also, interestingly, so I got this from Wikipedia. Um, so uh, Angelica Houston auditioned for it, but she gave a terrible role. Um, and then Cher stepped in um, and auditioned for it. And for that role of uh, who is she going to play? She played Jane. Yeah. Um, but when Cher, but then Cher insisted on playing the part of Alexandra, which really? had already been given to Susan Sarandon. Um, <laughs> producers gave in to Cher's demands and cast her in the role instead. And they never told, uh, they never actually told Susan Sarandon. Uh, proper notice of this, and she didn't find out that her role had been given to Cher, and she'd been re- and she'd been recast as Jane until the day she turned up on location to start filming. <laughs> Imagine that. That's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, and she looks um, a bit startled throughout the film, so that explains a lot. <laughs> Probably why. Also as well, the, um, the film omits a key episode from the book, because this was a book, um, who wrote it, John Updike novel, um, where it's a key episode where Daryl unexpectedly marries a young, innocent girl. That's the devil, that's Jack Nicholson. Marries a young, innocent girl named Jenny, and the jealous three witches magically cause her to die of cancer. Yeah, probably best that they skip that bit out of the movie. Yeah, God, when I read that, I was like, who would think of writing that into a book? You'd lose all sympathy for these characters immediately. Yeah, well, in all fairness, that it's an odd film in that respect because your sympathies sort of lie with them, but not. They do kind of lie with the um, sort of the wimpier of the three. It's um, Michelle Pfeiffer's character. No, I think Michelle Pfeiffer's oh, Pfeiffer. character is a little bit, isn't she? She sort of they all become sort of super witches don't they yeah um but i think she's one of the weaker characters later in it um but i I find interplay fascinating and i really like jack nicholson as the role he plays especially the sequence in the church where he's throwing up brilliant yeah i mean yeah that is a good scene um i think for me i don't mind this film it's all right um i I mean it's directed by george miller isn't it as well so 
Yeah, good. So good it's, it's got a good track record, pedigree, everything like that. But there's something about it that never, never sort of gelled me. And I think it should do, but I don't know. There's something about it, and I think, whereas you kind of like it, I think it's 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 too. I don't know. It's too Jack Nicholson. It's like I was never a massive fan of him in Batman. No, um, I, I think I, it's just that it's Jack Nicholson being Jack mad Nicholson. crazy Jack. Yeah, and and I, that's something I came to like a lot later. I didn't like this at the time when it came out. Certainly wasn't in my kind of you know thing to watch. Yeah, I was very sci-fi nerd at this point anyway, so it was never going to be something that would appeal to me. Although I did like the soundtrack. I came to I came back to this film a lot lot later on, <laughs> and then quite enjoyed because I was going through a bit of a Jack Nicholson renaissance because I was watching loads of his films, and obviously this was part of that, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I thought, you know, plus, as I've noted, great soundtrack to the film as well. Is this really the um, is this the music that we filmed our friend to and just left it on his face for ages? <laughs> yeah, Danny Elfman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember <laughs> that. I think it's Danny Elfman. Uh, yeah. Just to we had a video camera. <laughs> we just sat in Graham's room, and we're just filming our friend's face while we had up, that music yeah. playing in the background <laughs> for ages. It was just... going to be a game show, but I can't remember the game show was called we were doing a pretend game show for some reason and i can't remember what it was called but the intro of the game show was meant to be his face then the music played and then we're going to put credits on it but it just ended up was being his face we were the first at least the first minute and a half of that it was it really is, odd, yeah. isn't it? it is funny to watch with, with just the uh which the street music playing as he just has this really fixed expression he does uh, yeah that's why I remember that. As, and as a final note from me on this, um, this also gave birth to one of my favourite hard house tracks of all time, which is Mistakes by Bulletproof, and um, which I put a link to. For those people that like their hard house trance techno, it's a classic tidy track, and I'll put it in the uh, show notes for those people that like that kind of thump, 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 you know, digger, 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 because it's got a great big section of samples of Jack Nicholson from that film in it. And it's very good. There you go. Can't say fairer than that. Yep. That's it. That's your film and TV. There's a lot going on, though. Storms, yeah. new t- new. There was the off season, open university stuff. <laughs> going for gold started. Dispatches, fish, hurricanes. Um, Wurzel Gummidge down under. Ewoks, sport. Nigel Havers, Willie Fogg, and then uncomfortable cinema trips with Fatal Attraction. Would be Dirty Dancing, Beverly Cop Two, and finally which is a Swick. Lots going on, film and TV in October nineteen eighty seven. So that's that bit. Um, we're going to go away for a quick break and we'll be back shortly uh, where we've got six more games to get through and hopefully there might be a good one in there. Hopefully. Let's see. Sun, C and Chippy T to our sponsor, DavidHearnWriter.com. Let's take another listen to his amazing new book, Escape from the Commodore 64. Nell almost swooned when she flipped the lid to find chilled cans of Pepsi and yet another key. Not that Sarah had any time to think about it yet, but she really was thirsty. Okay, so maybe a cold drink was worth being flustered about. Nell frowned. I was hoping for a useful armament. He grinned. I don't make the rules here. Would you girls like a warm pretzel each? I suggest you get in fast. From next month, I'm only allowed to sell chippy tea. Oh no, we couldn't possibly... Nell waved her hand. Actually, Sarah tilted her head to the side. I really could. The cart owner was already packaging them up some lunch. Yeasty, warm and wrapped in brown paper. For free. Surely we have to pay for them, Sarah said, patting herself down, looking for the last of her credits. I'm sure there are some credits around here somewhere. Save your dosh. I'm sure you'll need it. 
As the mayor of Targ, I declare this book awesome. Escape from the Commodore 64 audiobook is out right now. Visit davidhernwriter.com today. What are you waiting for? We are back. That was film and TV. We've had our first lot of games. Now we've got six more to get through. And Graham, did you enjoy this budget trip down memory lane as we look at some arcade classics? Good old arcade classics. This is one ninety nine Firebird, I think. Firebird it was a silver medal. Yes. Um, in Zap at ninety percent. Coded by Dave Corn, um, who later did BMX Kids and Thrust Two. Graphics mm-hmm. were by David Corn, who later did BMX <laughs> Kids and Thrust Two. <laughs> And the title screen was Paul Doherty, Doc, classic, really good graphics. The guy can really pixel paint. Mm-hmm. And the musician here, of course, is Mr. Rob Robert Hubbard, or Rob Hubbard to you and me. So this was retro, wasn't it, before it was retro? It was, this is yes. Technically, this is, this is retro. So what, what would that make it now? Retro, retro, retro? I don't know what that would be. Ultimate um, retro. Super retro, mega retro. So Arcade Classics is a C64 reimagining of four classic arcade games. Those four arcade games would be Space Invaders, which was first released by Taito, Taito, Potato, Taito, oh, oh, Taito. J- of Japan, and under license through Midway in the in 1977 in the rest of the world. So interesting. There's Asteroids, um, released in 1979 by Atari. Snakes, a bit more of a mystery of the origins on that one, um, but um, yeah, I'll come back to that because that's a bit more of a bit more difficult one to pin down. And Space Wars, which was released in the arcades by Cinematronics in 1977, but that is in fact itself based upon the PDP-1 program Space War. Mm-hmm. So are these arcade classics? I suppose maybe they are, but two it doesn't of, matter. Two of them, I was Two of them at least are, yeah. So it's a couple of them. Anyway, it's 50p a game, isn't it? But, yeah. But, no, it's not bad. And they're actually pretty good renditions of the games that they're aiming to be. They, they keep us reasonably faithful as possible to the arcade originals from which they're based. Um, I don't think there's much need to explain what the games are, really. Um, so, you know, I don't think there's anybody this side of Mars that hasn't heard of the, those particular games, but they're the precursors and the kind of the the originating um, genre masterpieces, really, of the, of certain things like shooters and, and you know, two-play shooters and, and that kind of stuff. So um, out of the four games that are there, obviously Space Invaders and... Uh, Asteroids one player, and they're reasonably faithful renditions, though. Space Invaders ideas to Space Invaders. You get the nice Space Invaders type sound. It plays like Space Invaders, and you even get the kind of the speed up of the sort of Space Invaders. Something that is often missed off in Space Invader clones is the way that they speed up and the sound speeds up with them and they as they slowly lower towards the bottom of the screen. And it also inherits the proper um, arcade toughness of Space Invaders, which is often, again, missed. Although I think the original Space Invaders didn't have a joystick. I don't think it was buttons. It was buttons, yes. Yeah. Asteroids here isn't Asteroids. The actual arcade was a vector-based arcade, one of a few vector-based arcades around at the time. Obviously, the C sixty four. Mercifully, they didn't go and try and make this out of vectors because it would have been a nightmare. So it's just sprites that look like vectors, but it works, and it's it's essentially Asteroids. And I thought it was. I never really liked Asteroids as an arcade, but it's still a pretty good version of that, even though I don't really like it. Um, and then you come so those both those are one player games. The two player games there being Snakes and Space Wars. Um, so. Um, you start when the game starts. Um, you get to the pitch, a picture of an arcade, and you move your kind of um, selector to choose which arcade you're going to go for. And you press the button, and then you, you're playing that arcade. It's a single load, which is cool because there's no not sort of not sort of multi-loading or anything. Take note, games that do that stupidly. Um, 
Although I did notice on the that screen, there's a spelling mistake. I don't know if you saw that, but they spelled asteroids wrong on the asteroids when it says asteroids yeah. instead of asteroids. Asteroid. But, you know, classic, probably something that's like, oh, the classic error. Um, but that aside, um, you get to play these sort of games. There's, there's nothing that you can really say that makes these games mega special. They just are what they are, and they they do look like they're supposed to look. Um, the snake game is a bit, is quite an interesting one because you posted a link in our little notes that we share. So the sort of the genus and birth of the snakes games. Obviously, it's the, the game of snakes here. It's a two-player game where there's two composed snakes. It's a bit like Tron Light Cycles in a way, but you can increase the length of your snake by eating the power pills and you can sort of trap your opponent or chop, chop bits of their snake off. And all sounds very painful and, you know, <laughs> very painful. Anyway, uh, but it is actually a pretty good version of that um, and it's quite simple. And as a two-player game, they're qu- quite good fun in, in the way that it plays. And it is quite a good colourful version. It reminded me of the sort of thing Minter would have done um, in the way that that plays, but it's it's pretty mm-hmm. good. And then the PDP one, well, it's it's just two spaceships sort of gravitationally challenging and stuff, you know, and I, I never really liked that either, but it, it's here. I think you'd play this and if you got this, you'd probably end up playing Space Invaders and Asteroids more than you would the others, maybe Snakes now and again, um, but I think you'd probably do the first two because they're pretty good. So um, that's all well and good. And as you say, the thematics of the games are adhered to where possible. The music here is something interesting. So it's something a bit extra. It's a really loud and raucous and thumping guitar metal sample heavy track from Rob Hubbard for this, which really pounds its way into your ears. And I think it lifts the game. I think I think it's unnecessary, really, in, in this game to some extent, but it does... It is a really good piece of music, and it's interesting. I don't personally like that kind of guitar sample, um, so because I I find that they have a, they they sort of work in the context of a certain pitch, but as the sample is played along the different notes, and as the pitch of that sample kind of increases, and it sounds a bit I don't know sillier. Um, I'm not a fan of how that kind of plays out, but this is an interesting tune, and it's good considering it's in this little sort of budget game. And it's it's got classic Rob Hubbard background stuff in it. So if you took them samples out, it wouldn't wouldn't bother me that much. But it's still it's considered one of his great tunes, and it's something of a style he revisits later in another couple of games. I think Skate or Die has a tune similar to this, and it does. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see others. So I, I quite I quite like it. I just I personally don't like those kind of really loud, aggressive guitar samples that are in it because I think it just sounds a bit weird. But go, Galway would go down that route as well, wouldn't he? With stuff like Combat School, I think. And yes. Yeah. Like and, and just I just I don't know. I, I do like the, the versions of these, some of these sort of, I suppose they're four channel out there. There's three SID channels and then there's a sample channel, which actually the way they've constructed that from the, the it's basically an error in the, I think an error, it might be an error in the way the volume processing works or something inside the C64. Someone will correct me on it. But I think if, because they can, the volume can be fluctuated fast. It basically, that's essentially how it makes a mini speaker and it, it's a, how those samples are played. Like it's really clever. There's loads you can read on it. Maybe I'll post them in the show notes if techies out there are bothered, but Anyway, there's four channels, and one of them is a really aggressive sort of kind of sound, really, yeah. you know, a, a, a classic Kerrang sound, I suppose is the best way to describe it. And it is good, but it's, you know, it's it's just an extra part of a game that's quite interesting. For two quid, I, I liked I liked it. I liked it at the time. It's a good little lineup for two quid, what can you say? Looking back at them now, the Snakes one is actually the most interesting in terms of its lineage and, and the way it plays, because that's quite an interesting game, in it, that it's Tron, essentially, Light Cycles and all of that. But... They all have a bit of a layer of importance, don't they, these games in some way or other. Don't know if they've been lost a bit at the time. Nowadays, of course, we'd all look back and go, oh, the reverie and everything else. But <laughs> it's all right. Two pounds, wasn't it? So what can you say? Did it deserve silver medal though? Is it that good? I don't know. How about you? Um, well, I, I 
bought this. I remember buying this. Well, you bought I think everyone bought it. Yeah, well, you bought Toadfoss. <laughs> I bought Arcade Classics. No, I bought um, this as well. I had this. I think I had it for the music at the time. I was, I was yeah, well, well, now I, I look know. back, I think. Well. I think I just bought it because I wanted Space Invaders in my house. So um, this was the only way I was going to get a Space Invaders. Um, hmm. So it's four Arcade Classics, the price of one budget title. It sounds quite the bargain. Um, especially if you factor in that two of the games you've listed are proper arcade classics, Space Invaders mm. and Asteroids. Yeah, you know, they're, they're they're held in high regard. They were, what, 40 quid uh, each on the Atari 2600 or something yeah, like probably that? probably, and crap. Um, yeah. um, well, it's the other two are variants on games from around that time. But I'd say Space Wars is a classic for a different reason. Obviously, it's you know, one of the earliest, you know, yeah, yeah, earliest yeah. of earliest games, 1961 or whatever, it was 62. Um, but this version, of it, I think, is probably based on the, is it Computer Space, which was the Nolan Bushnell release, wasn't it? The 1971. Something like that, yeah. It's, it was that yeah. one version. Of, but it's, it's one of them. Um, anyway, Space Invaders is best of the bunch, I thought, because I think it's yeah, no pretty, argument, pretty, yeah. pretty faithful to the original. Um, it feels, I mean, someone will probably go, no, it's not the speeds up. Well, look, I'm not that massive a fan of it. It looks and feels and plays like Space Invaders. As you said, it speeds up, the sounds are there. I enjoyed my time with it. I can shoot through the barriers and things like that. And it felt like Space Invaders, so I enjoyed my time with it. Um, Asteroids felt weird. It felt too fast. I don't know. There's something up with the movement. And I don't know why they didn't map hyperspace to down on the joystick. Um, yeah, that would have made so, sense. Because, you know, forward to thrust, down to high space, left and right to turn. There you go. And shoot, fire. Um, yeah, I, can, yeah, I think you, you're right when saying that Minter with the uh, Minter or that pod, pod you know, Sean Southern one. Because the, the nauseous colours of that snake maybe go uh, after a while <laughs> it's mm. a bit full on in it um nice mechanics though in the fact that if, if you hit the snake tail you have to be more than halfway along from the head to eat the tail if you're closer to the head than the tail then you die so some quite quite nice mechanics in that but two players so never get to play it that much same with um space wars i tried but the gravity is a bit kind of overblown in that um as you've rightly noted good tune um interesting tune one i remember um i don't think i played this much though i think i played space invaders for a bit tried the others and then never really got on with them that much um so i just go back to it every now and again for a bit of space invaders um because i just felt there's something off in asteroids away from the arcade and if i wanted to play two player stuff if someone came around i think well probably both you and i at this point had better you know better stuff to play you know yeah, you know, yeah pit, pit stop two summer games summer games two, there's loads of different games you did druid you know whizball all these kind of stuff mm. that you'd play, put on instead. It's an interesting release, this, but I, I don't know. It feels like two out of four because I, I don't know whether it's a licensing thing. I mean, even something like Pong or something. Um, but, you know, really, should it have been four play, single player games? Berserk, Defender, Missile Command, Centipede. Yeah. If it's called yourself Arcade Classics, it, it's, I would have expected those things to be in yeah. there. I mean, even, I mean, Berserk probably could have been done, I'd have thought, quite easily. Centipede, we've seen Centipede clones all over the place. Yeah. Um, Missile Command, I don't think would have been too much. Defender would could have been, a, I don't know, it's all right. Um, 90%, I think, because, you know, I think there's there's, there's value here for two quid. Um, and it, you know, I don't, I don't know of the lineage of Space Invaders games on the C64, whether there had been, had there been an official one um, at any point? I have no idea. Mm, no idea. Uh, there's variants, I know there'd be loads of variants, um, mm. but I don't know whether there's an original one maybe there is maybe there isn't but I think this is a good version of it so yeah it's alright two quid it's, it's alright good music yeah I enjoyed this back in the day for a while what it was yeah. dip back in every now and again <sighs> okay classics yes can't argue with the title I suppose it's better than the next one anyway yes yes it is <laughs> yes it is because our next one is 
Jackal, Mr. Jackal and Dr. Wide or Jackal and Wide or whatever the hell it's called. Um, ugh, God, the title screen. Um, Dr. Jackal and Mr. Wide. Um, this is definitely going in our... Um, we've got a new channel on our Discord called Loading Screams. Yes. Which is quite good. Might be even be a feature we introduce at some point. It will be, might be, yes, yeah, as we go down the line. But uh, this is definitely going on there. That title screen is a thing of horror. Oh, it's just crap. Uh, um, so anyway, what is Jackal and Wide? It's a pun title, though. It's a pun title, Graham. Oh, don't. So this better be good. <laughs> so Dr. Jackal has finally perfected the transforming potion, but he cannot reverse its disastrous results unless he can find the antidote hidden in Dr. Peaked's secret lab- underground laboratory. He'll remain as Mr. Wide forever. Now, so proclaims the back of the box. So what we have here then is, instead of turning into a monster, the beast within us, the not-too-subtle examination of repressed anger and guilt and all the negativity were bottled up inside us by Robert Louis Stevenson, we turn into a fat person with a stupid jump in the pursuit of some shit pun take on the title. That's what we have here. So, I've lost myself there. Hang on a minute. Yeah, so not to sound too picky, just go to the gym or take up (laughs) rowing or running. Yeah. Well, yeah, people, things, pe- yeah. people lose weight all the time it's not the same yes. as turning into a beast you just get on the treadmill do a few laps around the park and stop eating cakes um yep. this game this game is fundamentally stupid so it's a port from the spectrum original which is by stephen curtis who had already given us such joys as terra cognita and non terracus um and this c64 version is presided over by jim baguli of Deathwake, storm and max headroom delights god so with all this going for it it must be a winner right mm. right yeah yeah jekyll and wide is a two-stage arcade adventurer adventure come platformer thing that even everyone's a wally would look askance at this is a dreadful dreadful thing with terrible mechanics and awful visuals the ga- game starts with a bare bones title screen um after the god-awful loading screen um it's just i think i think keyboard joystick start game whatever uh we're given a list of instructions when we press fire, which make no sense. I couldn't make head or tail of them. And once you pass there, we press fire. No. It's onto a top-down view of Hyde Park. See what they did there? Did you see? Clever. They did there. Very clever. Very clever. Where it looks like you are careering about on a bike of some description, but it's hard to tell. Who knows? Uh, you can wander this bi-directional vertical scrolling park, picking up stuff and wondering just what you're supposed to be doing with any of it. You pick up rocks, you pick up stuff. I don't know. Should you fancy heading underground, you can head back down to the bottom of the map and you press spacebar on the underground entrance near the start. And here you enter the bizarre platform section with the single most ridiculous of jumps I have yet seen. Yeah, And we've seen some ridiculous jumps, but this is the winner so far. So you control Mr. Wide. Look, he's fat and it's funny. And you must move through these screens, jumping over obstacles. So you walk left and right and you push up to jump. So when you jump forward, you'd expect to be jumping at an angle like most games would do. Um, Except no, you start, you just go straight up to the top of the jump arc then once you reach the top, you know, Mr. Wide moves forward, you know, the length of the jump, then stops and starts to fall. So he jumps at 90 degree angles. Uh, It's just stupid. And this was happens at a rate that would make icebergs seem speedy. If you hit anything in this section, you lose some of your health, which is represented by a bar on the screen. And you will hit them because jumping over them takes forever. And by the time you've landed, you're coming back down. They're coming back from their patrol thing. So you're just going to hit them again. And they move at the same speed as you. So then you're stuck in that on them, losing energy. And you can't get away from them. And it's just all awful. You can move into other rooms by pulling down when in front of stairs or archways. There are more bizarre objects. They will no doubt hit you as you do not move fast enough to avoid anything. And of course, death will not be far away because you can't get away from them. They just move on to you and you're too big. 
and part of the, that's the joke in it. Huh. This is a deeply unpleasant game in all respects. It looks like crap, controls like crap, and the whole idea behind it is moribund and horrible. It got 29% for some reason, and again, I do not feel that they played half of these games. There's no way this is 3% worse than uh, Laser Force. There's just no way in, in hell. This is a, It's a joke. It's borderline unplayable because of the crappy jump in the um, underground section and it's very enjoyable and it's painful to endure. It's crap on every level that a game can be crap on. I hated this. So, yeah, Jackal and Wide. What did you think? What the hell was this bloody thing? What is, what is it? Half-hearted spectrum conversion of something. Some god-awful thing. Just don't, you know, just don't throw turds at a computer and expect it to be a playable game at the end of that, which is what clearly what happened here. There's nothing, there's nothing here to offer. It's crap graphics, really bad play. Doesn't work properly, really, I don't think. Really awful sound effects, that, such as there are. You wander around that stupid Hyde Park thing with the crappiest control system ever. Why do I have to press return? to ex- If I press the ex- uh, the take, drop, or list menu, why do I have to press return to exit that? Why can't I just move afterwards? Then when, when I go into I the controls, as you, as you rightly point out, when you go into, if you bother to enter the caves, um, because there's no real explanation as to what any of the little objects you pick up do anyway. When you go into the caves, I'm guessing you can use them in some way, but just it's just the say it's more of the worst horror, really badly drawn graphics, really crap controls, that weird leap as you describe. And the only thing good is that you can suffer a quick and merciful death, because that <laughs> means that at least you don't have to last longer in this game. It's awful, absolutely awful. Just crap, just crap, just rubbish, utter rubbish. One ninety nine's worth of shite. And 29%, give me it, are you having a laugh? Get, just go away, rethink your life, because it isn't 29%. <laughs> it, it should have been no percent. It's rubbish. It's utterly it, shit. No, uh, there's no redeeming qualities of this game, from its pun title to its stupid everything. Crap. Yeah. And I like the original story as well. You know, Dr. Dr. Jack- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I like it, so. I would rather shit in a chip pan. <laughs> Cook it and eat it. Yes, I'd rather sh- I'd rather do, do deep fried shit. <laughs> And uh, to entertain that piece of crap again, it's awful. Oh, I knew I was I was fearing that this would be bad, but I, I wasn't quite prepared for how bad it was. No, you know some games actually take your breath away in the yeah, you know, in the, the in bad the, ways. They do. It's like you're just like this is so bad. What were they thinking? Yeah. Who was? Oh Christ on a bike! You know you've you've not got a high points to come from Terra Cognita and Antarachus. No, and Jim Bagooli seems to struggle with these games. Stop, just stop doing them. I think. Yeah. It's becoming the Uli Ball of games. <laughs> Jim Bagui Ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Oh, there we go. Jekyll and Wide. Oh, Christ on a bike. No. Four more left. Four more. We're through this month. <laughs> Graham, next up is uh, a full pricer. This is Prohibition. Prohibition. Infograms did this. They did. Prohibition is a shoot 'em up that takes place in the 1930s, New York, um, and it's all about gangsters. You've been hired by the police to get rid of them, and you do this by uh, you face a row of buildings, gangsters pop up, and it's the equivalent of visual equivalent of whack a mole. So um, you got to shoot them before the on-screen timer goes down. Unless he shoots you first, you can hide until the timer restarts. But that's doing that's also limited. At the end of each stage is the bonus round where you have to shoot gangsters in a room. Um, uh, with no more ability to hide and a faster timer as you progress through each stage the game becomes faster and harder and more difficult and repeat because that's all there is to this game um so the goal if your goal was ever to reach the end of this game you are never going to it just goes on and on forever until you get a decent score because that's kind of what it is that's it is what it is so that's kind of the aim of the game i suppose it's an operation wolf type idea isn't it that you've got a crosshairs that you move across the screen and shoot yes I'm being generous when I say that. You are. Uh, but it's that, that idea of, you know, you have a crosshairs and you're shooting at things. 
it reminded me in the same as the same problems as the moving the crosshairs around to shoot the people of that living daylights game and that was an unplayable piece of crap as well so i suppose all you can say about this game is that it's just doing that and and the graphics are passable not there's nothing amazing about it there's lots of brown um nothing amazing again new york is brown in all the c60 games and brown new york is black well red ready brown yeah, red um, brick, isn't it? Yeah, but it's just, there's nothing, no real redeeming qualities to this game. I didn't enjoy my time. It's just as soon as I played the first bit and and I realised that I'm going to be doing this and only this, um, I thought, hang on a minute, this is £10. I need a bit more game for my money here. Give me some more game for money, you robbers. Um, I didn't think there was much to it. I thought there that, isn't. No, the, the, the gameplay was just, what, what can you say? It's just, it's not, it should have been a budget game. And maybe it would have been possible at that, but it isn't. Do you know, by the way, this game made the index. Do you know that? The index. What's, what do you mean the index? The index is the BPJS or the BPJM index of games means that in Germany, this game was illegal. It was illegal to sell. It was illegal to make any index games available to minors in Germany. And it's illegal to advertise them in any form including putting them on store shelves or publishing reviews in gaming magazines. The games technically disappear from the public. The only way to actually buy those games is under the desk. So, you know, <laughs> under the counter. That's that. So this game was put on that list. Why was that? I don't know. Maybe it's just shit and they thought, no one needs to see that shit. And, you know, <laughs> did the right idea. Absolutely. What's so, this index so just, of? Is it terrible games? Is there loads of violence now? They're just shit. They're just shit. No, they, you know, I don't Ina, know what other horrors are on the list. There is a there is a list of the games that are on the index, um, which I put in the show notes, um, so you can explore that at your leisure. Um, but I didn't enjoy this because for two reasons: one, um, the gameplay itself was simplistic but repetitive and really boring and just endless and boring. And, and once you sort of there's nothing you can't get better at it because eventually you're never going to be able to move your crosshairs in time to get anybody because it just gets faster and faster and more difficult. Second thing, full price, no. 50%, or 49% they gave this. No way. No way is this 49%. It's a rip-off. And, and mm-hmm. I suppose I suppose it works and there's no, I suppose, no bugs in it so it doesn't crash or anything like that. But nah, no, nah, not for me. I didn't enjoy it. About you? No, what a good, dull, dull game this is and full price. Jesus. I put when someone puts out a game like this, you put one of theirs in the morgue. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. So what is there to this game? It's five times the price. And it's essentially the town shootout section of Kane. Yeah. And yeah, that's actually, it. Yeah. Forgot about Kane, yeah. Kane. Because uh, and that has four 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 times, you know, that's fifth of the price and four times as many games. Um yeah. graphically it is good. The sprites on the hoodlums I I thought were quite well drawn. They fit the theme. Yeah, all right. The background scrolls around smoothly, but that's all it's got to do, isn't it? Yeah. Um, once you get a hang of the scattergun shot of your Tommy guns, little else to learn and doing this and the game just goes on forever. I was playing this for ages. Yeah, it does. It's just what I mean. It's meanders. and then It never like, seems to get, I don't think, think it ever got any harder. They offered no escalating challenge. I always found them within about, you know, a couple of seconds and shot them. It's just the same thing over and over and over as the ragtime yeah. music plinks away in the background. Oh, the music. Yeah. After many minutes of this, if that, I don't know, I can't remember. It felt like forever. Um, yeah. I was done with this. What a waste and what a rip off. 10 quid, yep. 10 quid yep. for essentially, I mean, yes, it's Operation Wolf, but, you know, Operation Wolf has stages, levels, different bosses, challenge, loads of stuff going on. If they'd have made something more of this, this feels like the bonus intermediary stage of another game. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's a, it's, it is properly a sort of a bonus stage or something. It is, yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. there's the, the bit you've, you've managed to get your way through, you've fought out, or you, you've, it's like as if you were driving, it feels like a, if you were driving around a city or something and you had to get to a location, then shoot them. So there's a top-down yeah. view of the city driving around and you get there and you shoot them and then you send somebody and you drive off and there's other things to do. That's what this kind of feels like. It feels like one stage of a bigger game and they've gone, oh no, yeah. just, just release that for a tenner that'll do yeah does anything absolutely. else happen no why not Rubbish. 
rubbish. Yeah. Oh God, this week, this month. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope we've got three left. Keep on trucking. <laughs> three left. Let's keep going. Because we're uh, off to sea again in our next one. This is a <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All all aboard for the Pirates <laughs> of the Barbary Coast. Um, <laughs> that's it another pirate game hoves into view and attempts to board us as we brace the main brace and shimmy down the rigging <laughs> this is pirates of the barbary coast um and whereas the last pirates game which was pirates saw us off in the americas this takes place along the barbary coast which is the north coast of africa from morocco to libya and the series of ports therein so this was developed by starsoft development laboratories now there's a name with too much you know someone mm. thought t- thought too much themselves and gave them that name didn't they Probably some bloke. <laughs> uh, and it's the first one we've had from them. Uh, it was coded by Rob Mickelson with graphics by Carrie, Carrie McCormick, Joe Krushlik. <laughs> the Klingons are back. I can't pronounce that name. It's back again. Yeah. And Mike Carlock. <laughs> 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 Mike Carlock. That can't be That can't be a real name. <laughs> <laughs> no, just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> In Pirates of the Barbary Coast, you have 30 days to raise the ransom of 50,000 pieces of gold as your daughter, Catherine, has been kidnapped by Bloodthroat the Pirate. Oh, stupid. <laughs> it's like there's some really good pirate names. Why would you go with Bloodthroat? No one's called Bloodthroat. Why don't you just go with Blackbeard? There's no copyright <laughs> on it. It's okay. No, none. Otherwise, he's going to sell her into slavery. So, that's the plot. You've got 30 days, raise the money, or take the fight to the blood throat and get your, get your daughter back. The game starts with you sailing out of Casablanca and picking another port to head to. Head to. Um, and you can select from Tangier, Algiers, Tunis, Tripoli, Benghazi, or Tobruk. Once done, you weigh anchor and wait to see if the journey is uneventful or if you get into a cannon battle. And I'll come to the specifics of the cannon battling later. Once you arrive in port, you can repair your ship from any damage you may have taken from your cannon battles. You can buy goods, you can sell goods, you can head to the shop, or you can head back out to sea. If you decide to trade, um, you basically you get this, you're, you're greeted by a sort of image of a, I don't know, a, a sort of, What's what the what the a man in you know period clothes with long wiggy hair that kind of thing, sort of bowing towards you and it's that it's that look from the nineteen whenever this is set sixteenth century and that's the visual so then you can choose from that so you got a little menu at the bottom and all this is controlled most of this is controlled by an arrow that you move around with your joystick and that's how you select stuff um, if you choose trading it shows a back view of your ship um, with loads of sections in it um, and each section has some goods in it and you can trade these goods you can uh, you can buy or sell um, and you have a number of goods to trade in they range from silk to cocoa and muskets and rum and all, all manner of stuff uh, you can try and haggle for better prices but be wary because they don't like haggling too much and then if you if you offend them they won't sell you anything of that or they won't buy anything off you for that so you know be careful about that if you head to the store there here it allows you to hire more men if some of your men died in cannon fight cannon fights you can get more food because obviously you need food while it's out on the ocean you can buy cannonballs to make sure you've got enough for fighting with you can pay for rumors of what is um of what's going on it's essentially just to go rum selling for a lot in tangiers that's never good when you're actually in tangiers um but uh, that kind of thing <laughs> does happen uh, and that, that sort of thing so you can you can head for it in, uh, try, uh, try and get them stuff uh once all this is done you, there's not little there's little more else to do so you go back out to sea to head to another port as you try and raise the money um so essentially this is a trading game rather than a pirate 
pirating game. Um, if you are set upon, though, whilst sailing, um, you can choose to flee. But if you choose not to, essentially what you get is a side-on view off the side of your ship um, behind your cannon men. What do they call them? Firers? I don't know what they... What the, what, is, there a, is there a term? Cannon men. I don't know. What, what's, the, um, what's the term for soldiers. someone who, lo- who loads a cannon and fires it? Um, cannon man. Uh, cannon cannon ball. ball. <laughs> right on, Tommy. <laughs> Load that cannon. Artillerymen, I think. Artillerymen, that'll do, yeah. So you've got to load your cannons and then fire them. Right, now to save you the trouble of trying to find how you do this, it's tricky. This, this is how you do it, right? So along the bottom is all your cannons. There's, a, there's sort of a graphical representation, a little graphical representation of all your cannons. So you can use got about 19 of them. Click on all of them, first of all. Essentially, you'll be loading. That'll tell all your cannons to load and follow this procedure. So the little icon will turn green. Click on them. Pick any of your any of your artillery men because you can scroll along them as arrows, so you can scroll along from all across all nineteen men, and you kind of need to because you have to fire them manually. So this is what you do. Okay, you click on the what, there's a little white bag next to the cannon, just to the top right of the cannon. Click on that, then click back on the cannon. Okay, next do click on the yellow headed pole held by the artillery guy and then click on the cannon again then click on the bucket which is to the left of the cannon click back on the cannon and then finally the black brush to the left of the cannon and back click on the cannon again do those things in that order those eight things and then your cannons are ready to fire you can only fire once and then you've got to do this whole process again by the way what should happen now the yellow light because you click on oh, the load button sorry which you need to click first before you do all that there's a load button click that it'll turn yellow once you've done all that that load button will go off um, and I thought that the fire button would turn yellow at that point. No, it doesn't. But you can now fire. So if you press fire, it, your little sparkles light up on your cannon and it'll fire its cannonball off. All the time while you're doing this, you, the enemy ship is moving from left to right on the horizon and it's getting getting closer, basically, and it's firing shots back at you. And these will hit your ship and kill some of your cannon, your artillerymen, and thus you cannot fire those cannons because you have to fire them all individually. And once one is fired, you've got to do, go through the whole process of loading them again. You can you, you can change the uh, elevation of your shot as well. So kind of like we saw in Star Paws, kind of like we saw in Defender of the Crown, you've got to guess, or you know, even going back to Beachhead, I guess, Yes, you've got to guess the elevation of where the ship is. It will tell you if you've missed, so if you're just completely off by you've missed. But if you're aiming towards it, um, it will tell you whether you're too long or short. If you get a hit, so so you've got to basically, if you're too long, go to the next one, bring your cannons down a bit, fire again, get where it is and try and hit it. If you hit it, if you should you hit the enemy ship three times, if you hit it once, flames will start to come off the ship. If you hit it three times, because once you've got the, the distance... It's just a case of just getting to a different cannon artillery man and firing. You should be able to hit it. If you hit it three times, you have the choice. You can decide to board her, and here you can raid the hold or read the log, but not both as you don't have time. Essentially, raid the hold, because if you read the log, all it says is, rum is going for a lot in Tangiers. It's like, oh. Why would the captain say that? That's all I found everywhere. It's stuff like that. So just raid the hold. You you need money, so get money. Uh, Once this is all done, you head back to port and the process starts all over again. And really, that's the main issue with this game. There's really not enough of a game here to engage you for very long. The trading's pretty boring and limited, and the fighting is quite dull and cumbersome and overly long. The visuals are okay. They're a mix of like static graphic screens when you're met at port, the back of your ship, and from behind... Um, on the artillery guys it's they're okay with characters and locations side of your ship fighting but there's nothing particularly special here it's not brilliant it's just all right looks like it's drawn in a koala paint a lot of it the sound is non-existent really i didn't there's, there's barely anything and there's not much atmosphere to this game and it all became quite rote in very little time you just do the same thing it's a trading game it's not a pirate game 
this is a trading game. The loading is also painful to endure. Um, and I ended up using 200% speed on the emulator to make this game in the, in the least bit playable as every decision leads to another loading weight and also becomes trying very fast. Just remember to put it back to, down to 100% when you're doing the cannon fight. If you want a pirate game, play Pirates. And if you want a trading game, play Star Trader or something like that, which I've played loads of. I don't mind trading games when it's about trading, but this is kind of int- it just... there's nothing to this there's not enough to this to keep you engaged once you've gone through the loop of travel and fighting a couple of times so yeah you may be a pirate on the barbary coast but if you run a pirate game for god's sake play sid meyer's pirates it's way 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 better than this it's all right this got what did it get it got 57 percent, which is about right it's 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 painfully average this game it's just boring fighting getting in the way of trading and really that's all you're actually doing i didn't particularly get much from this what about you did you enjoy your time pirating on the barbary coast with this no there's it's always it's like it's always the same isn't it? there's no pirate games and then all of a sudden there's loads of pirate games i'll say loads too but there's, there's probably more to come this one's in the living in the shadow of this you talk about releasing your game at the wrong time yeah absolutely um, you know this is in the shadow of sid meyer's masterpiece pirates which i you know i was only playing again the other day so it's so this is the Aldi brand version of that, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. It's not as good. The story is quite compelling. I, I like on the little the f- coast. I like the fact that it's got a, a, a kidnap and ransom and revenge are all good parity things. You never get to do any good parity things, though, because what that sounds like is really good stuff. What it is, is you've got to just trade to get the money to either decide what to do, which is boring. So I thought the game was poor, pretty slow, dull. Firing the cannons was just a laborious nightmare. And instead of it being an exciting battle, which... Even pirates manages to capture in its own little way. All yeah. the fun is just hoovered out of this. So you just end up not, it's all rote, mechanical, trying to figure what does what. And, you know, in the, it's all about the process, not about the fun of actually trying to shoot the ship. Uh, and yeah. it just, and it feels, you know, it's just a bit weak. And that's what the game logic of this is. It's all those things. It's just, it's taken all the mundanity of what needn't have been mundane and just made a game out of the really mundane bits of being a pirate, um, which is really silly. I mean, if you, if you imagine if this transfer the logic of this game to something like the Secret of Monkey Island, and it would just you remove all the humour and fun out of it, and it's just Gabra Streetboard wandering around asking for stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. Maybe not. Maybe getting it. Maybe not. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's the most boring parts of all of that, all the piracy adventure stuff with all of that adventure stuff taken out. I wanted to like it more. Generally, I like these kind of things, but this was scrappy, and I had a feeling in the back of my mind maybe this has been rushed to be released because of pirates. Maybe they'd got wind there was a pirates game and thought we've got to get this pushed out because otherwise we're not going to make any money with it. Yeah. And so I think so. It felt that some sequences were just clearly weren't the finished article. The map screen to me didn't look like it was finished. It looked like it was bitty and not very well done and an afterthought. Mm-hmm. All of this wraps up into what is a dull multi-loading bore of a game. I no more want to play this than I want to play Elite. If I want to trade things, I'm probably going to do it in Elite because at least there's a sci-fi nuances to it. But no, I don't want to do this in this. I don't want to travel around in it. And even if I get into a battle, I can't be bothered with all that faffing about with the cannons. I just want to fire the cannons because that's exciting to do that. And the fun of that and doing those things is what pirates captures. What this captures is none of that. And it makes what should be something exciting and adventurous and quite interesting into something really boring about whether there's rum or not at a certain place <laughs> yeah. at a certain time. So no thanks. I think this is just annoying, bad to control. Even the arrow was annoying me in the end to try and control it round, which is something you don't get in pirates. Again, just go and play pirates. If you're gonna if you want to play a piratey game, go and play pirates. If you just avoid this one, this is missing all of the key elements that would make a game like this interesting anyway. So the review, 10 quid. All right, it's half the price of Pirates, but they gave it, you know, 57%. It's, it's nowhere near, near, it's way less than half the fun. I would have put this around the sort of 30% for me. So no, 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 no. Play Pirates. Don't play this. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with any of that. 
I may have been a little bit more lenient on it, but yeah, play pirates. Why would why would you? Well, this does have. I'll tell you what it does have. Um, if you if you look back at the advert, I kept seeing this for a while coming up. It's a really good advert, really good case, really good artwork. Yeah, yeah, um, production values much, are there. So there's some some quality on the artwork, and which may have like suckered you into it, but as a game in and of itself, it's just yeah repetitive and dull. It's a shame. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Pirates of the Barbary Coast. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Surely we've got a good one. Surely. Let's move along and see if we've got one next. Are you the enforcer? Another one from uh, Gavin Rayburn, Rayburn, Rayburn. <laughs> Another one. Did the music on this one under the pseudonym Gax, I think. Um, but this is obviously the guys we said before, Equalizer, Thunderbolt, Terminator, films on his shelf. Um, <laughs> so, you know, imagine there was a really dodgy film on there as well. So what, what do you mean you want to call this? <laughs> Debbie Does Dallas. <laughs> Debbie Does It sounds a bit obtuse, you know. This is, nothing, this is a game about collecting diamonds and feeding pigs. Anyway. So this isn't about that. This is something completely different. In The Enforcer, you play a robot that has to explore and collect parcels over various levels in the Dirge Caverns, or Drudge Caverns, while shooting or avoiding various creatures that roam around the levels. It's a platform game, scrolls in different directions, when you move your robots and you can jump and climb ladders. If you touch any creature or deadly objects, um, as they're referred to in the blurb, um, you lose parts of your meter, and when this reaches zero, it's game over. All the parcels needed to be collected are within a time limit, so you've got to, and you've got little things on the floor that act as checkpoints as you walk over them, so you've basically got to collect the stuff in the time limit, avoid the stuff, don't hit anything, and all of that. Um, it's actually been quite difficult to find much out about this game. So yes, yeah. you do play some kind of robot of a sort, and yes, you have to go around and shoot things in the caves, and as far as I can ascertain, that's all for, for score. There's no greater, and there, you collect the things i don't know if there's more to it because i couldn't find much more to it and um, the graphics are quite nice in this they're okay it's just the whole game just feels incomplete um so it doesn't feel to me like there's the finished game here it feels like there's maybe 75 percent of a game they in zap there is that review cite some arcade called trojan as inspiration i think this owes far more to ghosts and goblins than anything else yes absolutely so i don't think trojan is anything to do with it unless trojan was inspired by ghosts and goblins and i looked at the arcade and it was literally nothing like it whereas this especially if you get to the second well i say the second level if you get to the second tier second level whatever the hell it is this game it goes to the same blue and white sort of icy landscape scene as the second level in ghost of goblins it's very similar scrolling was okay there's loads of bugs in it though loads of bugs in this i walked off to the left at the beginning just fell 60 miles down and landed on the about the fourth level i think i don't quite know what happened <laughs> oh i never had that fair enough so there's, so there's loads of bugs in it and the scrolling was all right your scrub your sprite is quite large albeit it's got the most pointless duck of any sprite we can look across <laughs> yet because you, you duck him down you don't really duck you just i don't know what it is just, just i don't know what you call that he can't. He doesn't duck low enough to avoid anything. So it's not a duck. It's yeah. just a bob. I don't know what it is. Bob duck. I don't know. And there's some varied enemies. But what are they for? <laughs> What's the purpose of the games? They, they get. I suppose the purpose is to get in the way. I think it all feels unfinished. I suspect it is. Um, it doesn't offer you much in exploratory player adventure because it all seems a bit pointless. And that makes it boring. Interestingly, though, there was a audio recording, uh, an audio track on the B side of this called "The Equalizer" by something called Hex. Uh, which <laughs> took me a while to track down, but I found it on SoundCloud. So I'll post that in the show notes. It's a really weird, really weird synth track. Like I said, house track. It's really odd. I don't know quite mm. what why it's on there. Maybe Gavin Rayburn is a... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I could not find much out about that audio track at all, other than the fact that it existed. And finding information about this game was, was really difficult. There wasn't a lot written about it, about what it's all about or what it's for. I couldn't even find it in the games that weren't. Yeah, it's because there's another game, isn't there, called Enforcer, which... Yeah, which, which is the, the sequel. Sort of, well, it's the sequel to Kakis, so and that is looks amazing. So when we get to that, wow, but... 
which kind of then nullifies everything yeah. written about this. It's hard to I find anything. I couldn't find anything. So did, I suppose the question is, did I like it? No, it was. there wasn't much to play. Uh, it looked nice. Yeah. And if the game was finished, maybe there'd be something to it. But it wasn't. So I just wandered around shooting periodically and, and not ducking and then thinking, where am I? Then falling off 9 million platforms and landing <laughs> at the bottom going, all right, well, now I'm here. I didn't die, so that's probably a good thing. But other than that, what was the point? I don't know. Maybe, you found, you? maybe you found a secret cheat way through. Maybe you want a bug. Maybe it's made well, to be. If I would challenge anyone, start the game up and then walk to the left and then you'll you'll just fall off the edge. And you can then you can push to the right as you fall, and you'll land on another platform fifty miles down. Oh, I'll give it a go. Yeah, Enforcer it's got seventy four percent, didn't it? It's the one man coding tidal wave. I've brought, that is Gavin Rayburn. It's game number nine according to the main title screen. It must be like he must be doing a game a month. The yeah, ra- but why? Why is it seventy four percent? I don't know why it's seventy four percent. If actually I'm honest, I don't know. No. And this time it's based on the Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry film, The Enforcer. If only. Or, if only, or more accurately, this is Gavin Rayburn does Ghost and Goblins, is what I put. Yep. It bears all the hallmarks of his other games. Getting it's get, be, getting better technically, good visuals, rock hard gameplay. Just just a bit off. It's a it's just a off from the original. Odd enemy sprites and decent music. If you had more than one life, this would be okay. But I kept getting easily to the same bit over and over again, and to die as a, because of the stodgy controls and trying to jump over those spikes. I kept yep. dying there. It was dead annoying. So you know. Pfft is what it is so I found it more fr- got more frustrating because it was dead dead easy to get to that bit and then I die and I'm like oh okay give me another life I'll start me back something he did in the other one we looked at Laser Force he doesn't do in this one like start you there it just kills you it just seems way more harder I don't know stodgy controls it's frustrating it's a bit annoying it's two quid would it have been okay maybe I don't know it's 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 just churning these titles out I mean the, the, the man is prolific but I think you're right this this feels like it's not as good as some of his others, but again, I think it's just him. It's it's, it's just learning learning stuff, isn't he? He's just like, right, I'm going to give Ghost and Goblins a go. I'm going to give this a go. Yeah. So because yeah, I think yeah. those those flamey bits that coming out from the side, they reminded me of like something like Salamander or something. Yeah. Just you know, don't release them. <laughs> yeah, there are, that is there. Are, but it, as we've seen, to be fair though, this is better than some of the full price guff we've been looking at. So yeah, it is. It just it just didn't feel like there was. It didn't feel complete. I think it, I think that this is not a finished game. Yeah. Yeah, you may you may be right. I mean, I didn't get anywhere near the finish because it's just too damn hard. But and you're probably right. Seventy four percent is yeah. Maybe they got further in and saw more stuff. I don't know. But what can you say, Mister Rayburn and Carl Hornell are propping up the C sixty four game library with release after release. Kind of weird because you know I never never heard of these people before. Although yeah, yeah. Anyway, there you go. And force we've got one more left. Let's get into some black magic. So yes, black magic. This is a full pricer. This got 77%. And Graham, for an entire century, the land of Marigold (laughs) has laboured under the tyrannical rule of the red warlock, Zagrim. He makes them make kitchen gloves. (laughs) He does. The populace cower in their houses in the royal ballrooms of the late King Taurus, Taraus, are now home to nothing but prisoners. Foul demons roam the lands and cemeteries are all that remains of the lush farmlands. This is where you come in. After the wizard Goff, who was teaching <laughs> you magic, was killed, you discovered a parchment that explained what went on a hundred years ago. It turns out that Zagrim defeated Anakar the Wise, turned him to stone, turned him to stone, sorry, stole his six eyes, and then scattered them about the lands so that he could witness the evil that Zagrim would wreak upon the kingdom. It's quite nasty that. It's quite evil. Yeah. yeah if you evil. could somehow find the lost six eyes of Anakar and put them back in the statue you might just have a chance to overcome zagrim's evil rule once and for all so armed with your map of the kingdom and a couple of basic spells you set out 
on your quest. That's Black Magic. Not Black Lamp, as I called it which is a completely different game. This was programmed and designed by Peter Ward. First thing he's done, he will go on to make another game called Mainframe, which I think comes out next year. So I've not heard of it, so maybe we'll see it. Screenshots of it, though, look very similar to this, I have to say, but we'll see anyway. But from there, he's gone on to work on loads of games. He worked through the PlayStation era. It looked like he ended up at Avalanche Studios and worked on the Disney Infinity games. Wow. So that's where he went. Uh, small small acorns and stuff. Anyway, the game mm. itself is another strange hybrid. It's a little like Ghosts and Goblins. A lot like Ghosts and Goblins, actually. It's a bit of an RPG, but it also reminded me of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Um, I don't know if you've seen the second mm-hmm. Zelda game, that 2D one, because that came out in yeah. January 1987. Um, right. And this did remind me of that a little bit. So it's a multi-directional scrolling game where you run along platforms, shoot plants and other enemies um, with your limited number of arrows, collect stuff and gain experience as you tr- go to level, as you go to level up. There's not very much depth to the RPG elements, I have to say. You, you basically have four levels that you can go through. You start off as an apprentice and when you're an apprentice, you have access to two spells. Those spells are Vanis, which lets you disappear for a brief time and go past things, and Blink, which transports you randomly nearby, which I found very frustrating because it never transported mm-hmm. me to where I wanted to be. Uh, as you recruit xp you move up through the ranks to wizard where you gain the chill and trap spells sorcerer where you get conjure and fire spells and finally topping out as a necromancer where you get the fear and bolt spells so as you run about the world um there are so this is a 2d side on think ghost and goblins you're not too far off all right that's the visual look of Mm -hmm. this uh there are numerous items to pick up from extra ammo for your arrows scrolls which increase your spells by one food (laughs) which increases your food stat Prisoners trapped in cages who can be freed by running over them. And finally, the eyes of Anakar themselves. Uh, the UI is across the bottom of the screen and shows your current level, your XP, your health and food amount, along with how many arrows and spells you have left and the depth level of your current location. So this game, it came with a map, um, a map of the land itself, and you could follow yourself around. And it actually says to you, please write on the map and draw on the map to, so you can note down where things are as you as you progress from, you know, as you mm. go from time to time as you play it. And that's what you've got to do. So it doesn't take up too much, uh, the UI doesn't take up too much screen space because most of the screen is taken up with the scrolling action and that's a good thing so that's all right so this is all add up to a solid game it got 77 percent sort of it's got some issues uh it doesn't look that great the sprites are sprites are quite simplistic you've got an animated main character but he's very oddly drawn he's very one color and chunky i don't quite understand anyway is there uh but they did the job and the, the sprites around the place the prisoners in cages i thought were some kind of golem at first i don't know what they mm. were the, the plants the plants look like someone's had the ghost and goblins plants described to them um yeah. and and try and, 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 and had a go at drawing them there's a there's bats there's all kinds of stuff floating about there's these weird things the sprites you know this is pretty simple simplistic but they did the job the sound effects are pretty minimal although the epic prog type tune on the title screen was something i was not expecting mm. it's really weird tune on the title screen because in the review it said there's no music but there's this crazy proggish weirdness reminded me of that what was that other one was it starion yeah it's a sci-fi weird... game wasn't it that yeah. really big sort of you know yes got involved at some point <laughs> it did no one said no to them because no one says no to yes the controls are simple enough left and right for run and up for jump though there's no running jump which i don't understand that would have been very helpful uh, so essentially if you want to go up a thing you better hope to the ladder nearby if you want to go up a platform the fire button has two uses if you press it when running, you shoot your arrows in the direction you're heading. So if you're running to the left, press it, you'll fire to the left, and so on. If you press it when stood still, however, this gains you access to your spells. And then it'll come up, you know, which spell do you wish to cast? You've got 
it'll say abort first which isn't a spell it just means don't cast anything so you can scroll through them and you can choose to cast them as long as you've got spells left so you need to collect those scrolls because if it gets down to zero you can't cast it cast any uh each cast cost one spell cast basically so there's a fit there's a bit here and the game takes place over 100 screens um so there's you know there's quite a decent amount and it's continuous as well it's not levels like ghosts and goblins this is a continuous whole world you've got you're running through it you don't come out of it at any point you just continue the quest and on, off you go there's loads of little different little bits and there's towns and all kind of strange stuff you can find the main problem is one we have seen before, and that is illogical and unfathomable health mechanics, I found. The two bars for food and health seem to be tied together in some way. But but I, I had the instructions, I looked at the instructions, but it was never clear what that was. So it felt akin to Spellbound, I think it was, where Magic Knight would just get tired to, to too tired to carry on and keel over dead. It kind of had that kind of feel to it. So here, you can pick up food, and it'll go, yum, yum, I love that food, it's great. And a, your, your food bar will go up a notch. But almost instantly, you'll get a message that you're out of food. I'm like, well... I just picked it up. What, eh? What's this got to do with anything? And there's no real indicator of whether this is a bad thing or how it impacts on your progress or your health or anything. There's only a limited amount of food dotted about and you're constantly running out and getting that message, which becomes very intrusive quite quickly. From there, your health just seems to drop. I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's because I was out of food. I don't, I don't know whether things were hitting me. It, my health just kept going down unpredictably and alarmingly quickly at times. Sometimes it wouldn't and sometimes it would. And there seems to be no real way to mitigate this or understand why it was happening. I couldn't get it. I could just couldn't get my head around the health health mechanics in this so quite often i would just die and i'd be like why have i died what got on and you get that death screen which is kind of like manic minor with a boot coming down there are some nice touches yeah, though yeah. like collecting the first eye there's an eye right above you when you start you have to go up to the next level and go get it so if you do collect the eyes it makes loads more enemies appear the world seems quite empty unless you collect the eye which i guess is the result of being able to see the evil being wrought on the land, which yep. I thought was quite a nice touch. So I would have liked to get further because I didn't get very far into it because of that health stuff. But to because I and I'd like to see get more eyes to see what if it affects the world. There's a stat, and this really reminded me. You probably not not aware of this, but it reminded me of there's a, there's a stat in Bloodborne called Insight, and the higher your insight goes in Bloodborne, it affects how you see the world. So you start seeing crazier stuff or, or more sort of. Uh, sort of eldritch things in the world the higher your insight insight is because you're getting a view of the world that is beyond what normal people see and it's and that also as well it's actually linked to a theme in the game which is called eyes on the inside and there's this notion of growing eyes on the inside to be able to see this eldritch world and that's sort of, it kind of reminded me of that it's kind of quite a link but that's that I didn't like the inability to do a running jump um, as it felt like if they give me that it would have made navigation easier. I found navigating the world quite quite problematic and having to be running to shoot the arrows meant that I was often having to charge at enemies and getting hit as I was doing so because you, you could duck under what they were firing at you but I was just taking damage and that was you know and some enemies would take a number of arrows to hit and obviously they're limited as well so you can run out of them and if you run out of arrows you run out of spells you're done for it feels like it has all the requisite parts for an interesting game this it's just let down by poorly communicating some of its systems to the player and maybe overcomplicating things where they didn't need to be you know simply have the food increase your health back up when you collect it and that would have been both easy to understand and made the game more intuitive you collect you eat food food your health goes up Ta-da! it's not hard it's an interesting game this one i've never played not not seen before or had a go at but i'd quite enjoy it i just i'm looking forward to the next one mainframe because it looks similar to this and maybe use iron some of the faults out it's just it feels like some of the systems are a bit broken and not really work as well as they could have done but i would have liked them to and i would have liked to have got further into this because i think there's a there's a you know 100 screens of mapping and action and puzzling and what have you just to see what just see where it went uh, this was okay it got 77 percent. yeah i mean they, they 
basically say don't judge a book by its cover in the review and because it does look not great but there is a there is a decent game here just i couldn't quite fit all the parts together maybe they could i don't know what about you how did you get on with black magic i mean it's rough around the edges isn't it pity graphics quite small bit blocky but there's a nice arcade adventure in there um there's hints of ghosts and goblins pitfall um, yeah. amongst others amongst loads of others it's it's got a lot of influences and it wears them pretty obviously there's lots to explore i think i thought the controls are relatively easy of what there are um the mechanics of the controls aren't the problem like you say some of the game is just a bit too mysterious and i think that doesn't lend itself to just the kind of play they're wanting to get you into the sounds are pretty basic but they're totally acceptable for what they are in this kind of game and i quite like the little tiny endearing top pixel character that you were yeah, um, yeah it was all right yeah. Even though it's sort of overall it kind of looks a bit like a bag of crap. Um <laughs> there is generally a really playable or game in here and decent fun. And later down the line, games like this become a lot more refined and you end up with things like Inmost for the iPhone or for Android, which is like a little pixel based sort of game of this type, a little pixel based adventure type game. There's quite a lot of those. Mm. And so this is kind of a pre mini pixel art adventure quest game. Yes, there's some issues with its sort of its not the controls, but the way that the game manifests in the way that it expects you to live through the adventure and it's not helping you with the right ways but there's some really nice parts to this which i quite liked mm. so um i thought yeah okay i'm not so sure i like the price but i quite like the game and it's certainly one of the better ones of this bad bunch of nightmares yeah so i, I was playing that playing it for quite a while and i'll forego the, the simplicity of the graphics if the game's actually got something about it and this did have something it yeah did have it something. does yeah it reminded me of that other one we looked at a while back on the one that we it's kind of like a magic version of green beret magic magic something or other the one where you were scrolling to the right and you was because the, the, the bit in this and you can get picked up, not bazooka bill for god's sake no um because <laughs> you can get picked up by the bird can't you with this and get transported yes. back yeah yeah yeah. there was that yeah. other one we looked at where you get picked up by oh, the bird yes, and get taken yes, to the top level yes. it was called magic could, something we, or other yeah we yeah magic where you could jump into the sort of this logo and stuff at the yeah, top level yeah, yeah, yeah were, and you had different now, yeah. different spells and stuff yeah. and things like that no, that's they're similar actually yeah again the similar sort of vibe yes yeah a bit rough yeah. look at looking but there's something about them that's endearing and yeah, just wish yeah. there was something a, a bit more but yeah yeah it was all right it was okay black magic i didn't i didn't mind it um mm. and i think 77 percent for once is about right yeah 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 there we go that's all our games at least we ended on something relatively okay um, yeah yeah i think it's there's, there's something to that game yeah So what did we look at this week? Mega Apocalypse. So it's all right, isn't it? I mean, when channel sound. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we've got Laser Force, Gavin Rayburn, Rayburn. Uh, Last Mission. No, wish it was. We've got uh, the Tube. <laughs> Stupid game. Flunky. Not aged well. Toad Force. Bouncy. Um, arcade Classics. Well, two of them. Classicy. <laughs> Classicy. Jack Jekyll and Wide. Uh, mm. pr- Prohibition. It's a, it's a mini game touted out as a as a full price thing. Pirates of the Barbary Coast, no. Enforcer, no. not finished. And Black Magic, which was all right. So there we go. Oof, what a week. What a month. What a month of stink. <laughs> oh, stinking up the place. <laughs> Bloody up. hell, goodness me. I mean, yeah, there's the odd one in there that has a bit more merit, but that is a... A load of budgetary nightmares. It's, it's been bad. Me. Remember when budget games were? We were surprised how good they were for a while. We were. Yeah, that, you know, that changed. That changed. We did. I forgot. Actually, we've actually got a couple of uh, crapverts. I'm not okay. sure if we've looked at one before. I think we might have done, but I can't remember. I put it in anyway. Um, I'm losing a bit of track. So let's have a look at these. The first one. I don't know what is it. Forty-two diamond, or is it just forty-two? What is that? I don't know. But it was the uh, it was the one in the top right that caught my eye. What Diablo. <laughs> 
Do you know that's how you draw? That's how you draw an anatomy when you don't know how to draw anatomy. <laughs> I know that because that's how I draw anatomy. <laughs> what is this? so? This who's this Bob? Is it Anch- no? It's Diamond. Diamond. Never heard of them. Diamond Games. So mm. we've got four games on here, but it says forty-two at the top, and I'm not sure why. So mm. I don't sure what even what platform they're for. If I'm honest, <laughs> um, it might be for the C16 or the. I think no, it says CBM64 something. So we've got four games on here. They're all terribly, terribly advertised. I'm actually looking at this a bit closer. Let's start at the top left. We've got something called Extron, which has yeah. um, what looks like. Um, do you remember um, Unreal? The very first Unreal. Yeah. That looks like one of the monsters from Unreal. It does. And they've clearly just merged Extro and Tron <laughs> together. They have, yes. <laughs> well, it's got so there's a there's a, a blocky robot thing running at you while in the back is a massive explosion. A huge explosion, really. Yeah. And, and is that and his it, arm coming out from the side of him or is well, that his I think that's a gun, isn't it? I think it oh from the side. I think it's his yeah, from, uh, from his left side, yeah. From the his right's left got side. a big gun, yeah. He's got a protuberance there. It's got is that his arm or is his tail? It's too, it's too low for his arm. <laughs> it, could, it could be a scorpion type tail. Whatever. It's badly drawn. Where's he fight? Where's that red laser coming from as well? Well, it's off. It's slightly off, but it's very powerful, isn't it? Because it looks like it's blown a <laughs> city up in the background. <laughs> so is someone okay. shooting that past him and blowing that up? So have they missed yeah. a shot? Or is that coming from his shoulder? Just call me old-fashioned, but when there's a bright light in the background of an object, it illuminates an object's in the foreground, if they're in there. So the, you need to put a little bit of light on the shoulders and the edges of something like that to give it that kind of brightness feel otherwise it just looks stupid and crap so that's what that yeah. does in the top right is diablo what that, what, what the hell is, is that what, do, you, do you describe this that's, it's impossible to describe that is a <laughs> that is a metal sphere on roller coaster tracks with the silver a badly drawn silver surface strolling <laughs> along one of the tracks looking like he's about to fist pump somebody <laughs> Um, whilst whilst everything best... collapses in the background. Yeah, for some reason, it's called Diablo, which has absolutely no, makes no sense whatsoever. No. Um, and the writing about the game is so ridiculously small, I can't see it, but I'm no, not, I don't I want to. I don't need to know what that's about. It just it's, looks crap. Uh, it says the game is very simple, really. And that's yeah. You, you slide across. It, well, is it? That image is not simple by description, is it? If you were to say, right, make me a game of this, and then describe <laughs> that image to them. I want a silver guy walking on tracks but being followed by a giant metal ball. Like, with, the, with the letters right, NN and a, and a red logo of some description. Where's the ball going? I don't know. It's just on a, it's coming from a broken city. That's all you need to know. That's all you what need this, to know. What does the silver guy look like? Imagine the silver surfer, but badly drawn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, anatomically bad. Anatomically incorrect, but strolling, you know, just strolling and fist bumping. <laughs> with not much concern on his face. Yeah, he's not, being, he's not bothered about that giant metallic sphere that's going to crush his life out of him. No. Uh, in the bottom left, we have Hollywood Poker for the Atari ST. Yeah. Do you know what's wrong with that? I can tell you what's wrong with that. Do you want to know what's wrong with that? Go on, you tell yeah. me. Well, first off, the hands that are on the, the two hands that are on there aren't the best hands in poker, for start. Well, no. So you've got four of a kind, not the top hand, and then the ones, plus it's too many aces. <laughs> Six aces. You're, you're playing Someone's a, you're cheating. Playing, <laughs> yeah, if you're playing a game with those two hands appear, you're going to be asking questions. <laughs> Never mind the sleazy image of the woman dance thing. <laughs> Absolutely. There's two There's two sets of red aces. Yeah, and also as well, there's a there's a woman in a, you know, a bodysuit, not bodysuit, a bikini, a, yeah. a bikini one-piece bikini, you know, yeah. looking like she's just stepped out of a, a pop video, which yes. I'm pretty sure she has for, yeah. for no reason. So no. It, it's just crap. And then in the bottom right, chaos, which absolutely describes this advert. That does. That's a giant. Now that <laughs> that image of the rub in the background's been borrowed from Warhammer at this point. Yeah. Um. So that is a that's a, a 
Marine from War, Warhammer, an early, a very early 40k Marine, that is. And Bastardized that? it and, st- and made in some kind of steampunk version, I think, <laughs> before <laughs> steampunk where, was a thing. Where's that guy's left hand going? Yeah, he's touching his man, he's touching his robo wang. <laughs> he's reaching out and he's just, he's, he's tickling his, his vents. He's he's t- tickling his little vents. Uh, and he's getting to get a big pat on the head from uh, the beast with five <laughs> fingers by the look of it. It's so bad. Um, it's just crap, isn't it? It's just crap, and it doesn't and chaos doesn't mean anything. It's just no, 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 no. Because no, it's no, also no. spelled in that horrible way, K A O S. No, and it's gone back to having jiggity jaggedy borders and a grid. I haven't seen we haven't <laughs> seen that in a crap vote for quite a while. No, and also green as well, grid, and also as well balls in the corner that are off off center yeah. gradient. Yeah, they've they've tried to go for that metallic effect, and it hasn't worked because that's not how you do it. <laughs> So or either that it or just, one it side just looks water damaged. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> wow, what a package of advert that yeah, is. I don't We're know if they're meant to be bird. kind of pins, pins or something like pinning it to the wall. I don't know, but anyway, jiggy jaggedy lines and space grids are no are no way to go through drawing things. No, no, all from Diamond Games. Oh my good god! Oh, are you looking at the next one? What the <laughs> hell is that? <laughs> so this is Mean City from Quicksilver. I mean. I, I kind of I, I get what they're trying to do, and I like the car and the, on the left. I like the car and the, the headlights. The way they've done the headlights is cool. Yeah, bit of bloom. That's, bit yeah, of bloom. Just, bit of... Exactly. That looks that looks the part. The, the, the thing just... stood up in it though, and the thing no. at the front, and the guy at the back. No, just what it's. I mean, I suppose it's demonic. I don't know. I think it's the mutant pretty, federation. He's drawn someone's granddad, hasn't he? And then and then fanged him, fanged his face out. <laughs> And sort of, you know, uglified someone. Um, they just look like a, an angry rock band with a bad, really ugly lead singer. <laughs> but this is, before we describe it, this is a one or two player game, arcade game for the Commodore 64 128 that will captivate, in speech marks, even the most experienced gamesman. Gamesman? Is that gamesman. called gamesman? No, this isn't good. The Quicksilver logo, I always, I always hate it. Yeah, I hate that logo because so, it is just angular nastiness. So yeah, so this is, I mean, it's called Mean City. This is, you know, it's it's a futuristic city in the background with the, on a planet that's perilously close to what looks like Saturn. Yeah. Um. In the in the in the sky with a gradient sky. Um. And in yeah. the foreground there are the mutants because the mutant federation and the enclave cities are locked in struggle. Your father, the mutant leader, has been captured. You must race your evil cousin, who would be king, through the maze ways against the dan- dangers they hold. It's making this words is one maze city. <laughs> what is this? What? What now, there's, the, just, there's, there's lessons like to be learned ideas here. ideas in there. Well, there's lessons to be learned on this poster uh, image. Firstly, just you know, print something out properly when it's a typeface. Don't cut it out of white bits of paper. Because <laughs> if, if you can't cut things straight with your scissors, don't try. So, and clearly they've just cut that out badly because it's really misshapen. Look at the N. Look how yeah. badly cut out that actually is. And then, the, then, then they've just glued the word city on in a different font with a different colour scheme that doesn't suit anything on the image whatsoever. Stupid. Nope. I mean, it's supposedly the, the colour scheme for city is the same as the Quicksilver logo, which doesn't work when it's on blue on blue like that. It's just crap. Nope. So it's odd because the drawing is better on the left than it is on the right. The city in the background thing is actually quite good, but you don't need that freakish ghoul-faced <laughs> demon thing at the front clutching his spiky stick. No, you don't. With his... Uh... With his studded arm, you know, studded shoulder pads. No, it's all a bit Mad Max. It's got a bit Mad Max vibe to that, but a really uh, low-budget Mad Max, Aldi Mad Max. Yeah, it's got weird fingers as well. And what is that thing coming out on his jacket just underneath the club? Yeah, like he's got kind three of fingers on, hasn't he? 
Looks like he's got a you know, bus handle. That's like something you'd hold on to if you're on a bus. Well, maybe this is the, the an early version of some of the concept art for Blue Velvet, and that's that's the <laughs> character of Frank as they envisaged him originally. <laughs> oh, that one stood up as well. Looks particularly bad. And part just, of the city's looks, on fire as yeah, well. Yeah, I like I like the cityscape and I like the car and the I like the perspective of it. I'm not so sure about the giant Saturn, but I like the idea of it. <laughs> but all of that is perfunctory when you when you've cut the logo out of toilet paper and glued <laughs> yeah. it on. Yeah, and and that writing, the writing makes no sense. Essentially, this is just going to be a top-down two D rating game in it. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going to end up playing it, aren't we? At some point, we are going to so. probably look at this at some point. It's out for the Commodore sixty four. Yep. Oh dear. There we go. Some good crap verts there. Just uh, cheer us up. Uh, let's have our chart. This is from Commodore user for October. Um, in reverse order from number ten uh, up to number ten is Defender of the Crown. Down to number nine is Roadrunner. A new entry at number eight is BMX Simulator. New entry at number seven is Ace Four, it says. <laughs> That's meant to be two. Is that or is yeah, it is. That's, that's yeah. Ace unless Four, unless it's, a, no, it's Cascade. Yeah, it's meant to be yeah, Ace Two. Must have missed one, <laughs> missed two games. Yeah. Uh, down to number six is Eyeball. Up to number five is Cricket International, we which we have not had that. the pleasure to see yet. Uh, up to number four is Decathlon. That's the Activision one, so that's Firebird. Mm-hmm. Uh, up to number three is Kickstart 2, yeah. and no change in the top two. At number two is World Class Leaderboard, and still reigning at number one is The Last Ninja. Good old Last Ninja. I did. What have we got? What other ones have we got down here? Epics, Epics mm-hmm. uh, at 11, Barbarian at 12, Run for Gold at 13, Milk Race at 14. Uh, how? Is- I don't know. How is Destructo at 15? Oh, football me. manager still hanging in there at number 16. Why? The football season has started. Stop buying oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Super Robin Hood. I haven't seen that one yet. 17. River Plate. They were, what the, River Plate? I don't know. That's from Firebird. That, they're a uh, South, I think, uh, Argentinian football team. Or okay, like well, Brazilian. That could, that could be niche. Um, and 19 is Whizball. And at number 20 is the Eddie Kid Jump Challenge. Okay, right. I've never played that. No, I've never played that either. Anyway, so that's it. That's your lot. What we got coming up over our next one? We're moving to November. Um, so what we got coming up over the next couple of weeks? We've got things like IK Plus. Okay. Uh, which looks quite good. We've got something called On Q, Land of Neverwhere, mm. Athena, Pi R Squared. We've got Renegade to look at. Okay, excellent. Uh, Oh, Mean Cities in there. There we go. Oh, well, we'll get to find out. Water Polo, Anarchy, Morpheus. Okay. Uh, Q-Dex. Okay, Quest for Ultimate Dexterity. Stavros is back. Uh, Stavros is back. Scary Monsters, Blazer. Um, mm. We've got a game that we won't actually play, but we will mention briefly. That's called Pyramid of Time. We'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, Joe Blade, Star Fox. Okay. Enlightenment, right. Druid 2. Excellent. Tunnel Vision, Taipan. Oh, no. Special Agent and Solomon's Key. Okay. That game's coming up. That already sounds better than what we've just had to endure for the past. Yeah, it does. Well, it's got IK Plus in there, so. It's got IK Plus. Uh, it's got Renegade. It's got Morpheus. It's Qdex, Enlightenment, Solomon's yeah. Key. They're all solid Q-Dex games. Qdex was so difficult. So difficult. Mm. But that's it. There we go. That's so it. November looks like a bit of a bit of an uptick with at least some of the games, which is a pretty good thing. Yeah, thank God indeed. Um, that's been a hard month. This has been a hard triple treat. It's not been a triple treat, has it? No, it's not. This is like buying a 99 ice cream and finding that your flake was made of shit. Yeah. 
Yes, it was. Um, but we haven't done it. Um, we, you know, we've done episode 64, 65, 66. So I don't know if you've got them open or you can see them. We, we, we did our, you know, games from every episode. So do we pick Bubble Bobble from episode 64? Yes. We'll put, yes, we'll put we them in here. Um, I'm thinking probably Red Lead, Red LED from 65. The only one I can remember. That yeah, well, you got Laurel and Hardy, Cosmonaut, Swamp Beaver. It was Hysteria and well, that Frenesis went in there. and all that. Um, no, this was Return of the Mutant Camels, Ace 2, Death oh, Race, yeah, yeah. Evening yeah, Star, that one, yeah. Red LED. Pick from this week? It would be the last one for me, Enforcer. Uh, sorry, not Black, Enforcer, uh, Black, Black Magic. Magic, I think. Yeah, yeah. The only yeah. one I had most fun playing. Yeah, I didn't enjoy here. the others. There's better graphics than some of the others, for sure, but it's just all of them seem to have a problem, a big problem. Yeah, controversially, not Mega Apocalypse. No, and I can see people getting a bit, what maybe having a wobble about that. But you no, know, my advice is, you know, go and replay it. And after the nineteenth screen of the same thing, you know, and the novelty of the music's worn off a bit, and tell me how great it is. Mm, yeah, I think Black Magic's a bit more interesting. There's some in there. Yeah, yeah. This just, it just, you know, it's this. At least it's a decent. It's a decent attempt at more than just the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to, uh, at some point, when I get a little bit of time, I'm going to update the website because we have a definitive games list with those we get we put out from episode 64. Uh, we'll be adding these in. So and we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to stick us to keep to this at least when we finish the month. So it might not be every week, but at least we'll yeah, pick yeah, them out yeah, every makes month. Makes sense. Um, and we'll have a game to recommend. So that definitive list will grow as it goes along. But so that's 60 odd games on there now, so you can go have a look at them. Um, phew, what a month. Uh, anything else to add? Yes, if you wish to support us, you can do that. Um, head on over to patreon.com forward slash zapped to the past. Um, there are a couple of tiers open there at the moment. That might increase. We're not sure yet. We'll see. But at the moment, there is the, if you can throw us equivalent of a pound, that would be great. Um, it helps us keep the lights on. If you want to go up to the full tier, it's four pound. 50 or your equivalent um and that is basically access to our discord and all the stuff going on there There's, you get early access to the episodes um so you get them early um there's, there's all there's other stuff as well get to I be included remember. in the episodes as well yeah when you do that. yeah you'll get to be included um in our shout outs um also as well when we do things like our episode 64 if we do anything special you're being uh, uh invited to partake in that we're gonna have when we do our bread bin awards they don't know about this yet shall i tell them they'll be invited yes. to uh yeah so when, you, when we do our bread bin awards you'll be they'll be invited to you know partake in a special patreon award of some description so hopefully all that so you know kind of including you more within the actual episodes we're doing and, and things like that so it's just fun and any and, you know when you get special access to stuff that we you know the the longer stuff so any interviews we do you'll get the full version rather just small snippets that we might put out so we've got all that and there's all that already there so, so if you join up you'll get access to that immediately um and also as well it just keeps us going and you know helps us with you know with the cost of things um if you don't do if you can't do that then give us a like or a share or whatever you know tell someone tell a friend like us on itunes or whatever it is you're reviewing us on um follow us wherever join the facebook anything like that it's all good um and you know that's that's it really they got anything more to add i'm quite tired no these games have worn me the hell out this month yeah they've worn out my eyeballs they have so on that note i have been adrian mills and I have been Grain Ruddings. And we have been zapped to the past, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films, and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. 
We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.